the same old song I know every crack in these dirty sidewalks of Broadway Well, hustle's the name of the game Nice guys get washed away like the snow in the rain That's been a load of compromising On the road to my horizon But I'm gonna be where the lights are shining on me Like a rhinestone cowboy Hit the note fully. You got this. <laughs> hey, this is episode 80 of Cowboy Shit. I'm Ted. He's Wacy. It's his birthday. Let's birthday go. pod. Birthday Let's pod. Go, go shawty. It's your birthday. And it's actually Wednesday. His birthday was Monday, but he's uh, still hungover. Just Another year older. Probably- I'm not, man, I get to do no birthday party and I have two exams. I, I would have had two exams by the time this comes out. So, like, Monday on my birthday, I have an exam. Then Tuesday the 15th, I have an exam. And then my next one is until the 21st. So, whoever scheduled these exams. I hate, I hate growing up. <laughs> I hate it. It's just the worst. 20, man, now it's that you're older. Worst. Now that you're older. I'm, I, this is, like, the first, this is the first year that I've started to notice that I'm getting older like stuff like oh. i had my first like realization oh. at, at the bar where i was like i'm too old to be here or, like, <laughs> oh like that. Like, yeah yeah hey, wait you hear that it's the world oh, no, i'm not i'm not violin i'm not i'm not complaining i'm just like Man. i'm just like making observations yeah. that i've had yeah. over the last little while that i'm actually okay. getting older oh it's your se- second puberty yeah, yeah. literally hey? yeah. Yeah. yeah and you're only about 12 years from the midlife crisis so there's just a, it's just crisis after crisis basically so just all a crisis another milestone yeah another milestone anyways another crisis timeline anyways the nfr happened and it was pretty good actually the uh i guess i don't know i don't know where to go on round, this, of, a round of applause to texas and what and everybody else involved on making it happen like that's yeah. huge, given yeah. the current climate with covid and stuff mm-hmm. um some of the processes were a little sketchy in my opinion, but I don't think they whatever. tested for COVID at all. That's hardly. what I mean. Like, kind of like, like there was just like a, like Jacob Crawley did the right thing by getting tested. Mm-hmm. Like that's kind of how many other bronc riders are going to have it or have it or going to give it to their grandparents. How many people are going to die over this? Like, I think, um, yeah. yeah, I think they didn't do a good job responsibly that way. Like you look at the PBR, like they were really thorough. And they even like throughout the process of have, coming back to it. And we weren't there. So we don't know no, what exactly sure. happened. No, for sure. But like even like throughout the, the process, they, they emphasize the steps they've taken to like mitigate the, the COVID thing to make these events happen. Like they're, mm-hmm. they're Gleason, Gleason was wiping off shoots and like they're putting it on their social media. Whereas like I never heard anything when, in regards through the media when it comes to the COVID protocols with the NFR. We didn't even know what the payout was until the last day. Apparently. Yeah. So, so I think like, I think they could have hit the mark a bit better on that. I think we're going to see the repercussions of it over the next couple of weeks, maybe. Yeah, uh, but nobody's going to report about it then. That's what I mean. Yeah, for sure. So it's, yeah, yeah. But I just think that that's something that they missed mark up on. Overall, like, mm-hmm. sweet event. The rodeo was good. 
Yeah. Great competition. Uh, great competition. Close yeah. races. It was exciting. Yeah. And it's sweet. And it's sweet. They're getting the Cowboys are getting the full payout. Cowboys and Cowgirls are getting the full payout. Judging was crazy as usual. And yeah, yes, we can talk about it. Okay. It's okay to talk about the judging. It's a conversation. Ooh, not, that's I mean, a, I, trouble, that's a okay? fucking like, hot topic. Well, I'm like, <laughs> it's not like, it's not Ooh. like we've, it's not like we've, we're just people, just random people talking about it. Like we've all been around it. It's like a conversation. Ken and I competed, we can talk and like fully you raise bulls, you've been around judging lots. Like oh, we, yeah. we have like I think we're pretty credited to be able to talk about this stuff. And it's still opinion. And, and it, the it's thing, opinion. the thing, the thing that I it, it, judging is an opinion. There's there's things that I like that other people don't, blah, 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 blah. But what I think is the biggest thing was the inconsistency of oh. the judging, I think. Yeah, I think so. You know what I mean? Like if they were consistent with it, but there were spreads that were unbelievable. There's people pissed off about, you know, the bull riding. And I think the saddle bronc are the real two that really got the, the judging. Actually, you know what? And the bareback the final day. Oh, yeah. Because uh, do you, I'm going to say, say, I'm gonna say, say it's Casey think, Field. Casey probably Field shouldn't have won it. No, shouldn't have won been it. 91. No, for sure. Yeah, and that's, and that's like, you, know what I, you know what I mean? But And the way that they did the re-ride there with the world title on the line, I thought that was kind of fucking that wasn't, weird. Well, that wasn't because, a... Like they gave the, that, the judges like how much time to clear their brain out to get back to you know instead of getting them back on a horse. I hate to say it, but it's a re-ride. how many other how many other guys had that experience this week and never didn't get a re-ride? Oh yeah, on a similar ride. Like like like, or, like or, not or, to be a Larson. Or, yeah, yeah. He so fucking he, drew horrible. Horrible. Yeah. yeah. So like one night. And I thought the 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 stock lineup was very inconsistent every Especially night. Especially in the bull riding. Who, where so, 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 no, no some guys, guys had an amazing holy yeah. shit like some but they they you know and uh, i'm gonna compare it to the pbr i know it's not the same but in every round of the pbr that all the guys have the same chance of winning where i thought in the horse events and the bull riding that there was guys who drew horses and bulls that they had no fucking no chance, chance of, yeah. no chance like that bull bucked and that horse bucked as hard as it could, but there was another guy that was on a fucking 22 and a half and they were on an 18, 17 and they rode them and they didn't get a fucking read. Oh, well, a, a good example would have been stage in that of the first day of the eliminator pen. And he was 82 points on that bull. Like he has no chance of winning on that. Bull. <laughs> no. And like I said, Oren Larson, I thought just drew horrible and his horses, he should have got fucking rewrites. Like you're, you're riding for a world title and you get to keep a 78. I know that's brutal. <laughs> as well. Get yeah. the fuck out of here. So yeah. No, also, I, 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 oh, I, I want to say uh, we were talking about the the stock, and there there was thirty six Canadian animals went down this year. Five bulls, fourteen bareback horses, and seventeen broncs. We we talked about that. Uh, the horses, the horses showed out. Yeah, the the cool. Calgary horses were huge. Calgary had seventeen seventeen of the thirty six, almost half of the animals there. Not a bull this year, which was new for them in the past few years without, uh, you know, night moves have been there in the last couple of years and a couple of those Todd Braithwaite bulls over the past, past different seasons, but uh, kind of a, a little bit of a, a lower amount hasn't been that few since about 2014 based on the numbers when I was looking at things. So been quite which, a which while, is, but which again, is tough given the, the situation of the season. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and Calgary had a big year and, you know, Calgary's a PRCA rodeo now, so you got to get those Calgary horses in there mm-hmm. just in case anyways. But uh yeah, good, uh, solid NFR, a lot of tight races. Uh, two events go down to less than $500, which are 500 points slash dollars, whatever they're calling them. 
it was a pretty close year from, and something that I hadn't seen in a long time in my, you know, my 10 years covering this thing. Now, I don't know if there's ever been two events that have been that close Mm -hmm. special year, but, uh, but it was really, really close that way. Uh, The the tie down rope. And I got to say for Shad Mayfield to go in there and rope four of 10 and then win the world still, it was only by 236 bucks, I think, but it was kind of disappointing to see a guy that did so terribly end up winning, but everybody else just kind of had a rough week. Like Marty Yates just didn't capitalize on four or five rounds when he could have placed and won the world. Mm-hmm. Were you, and even like thought, Shane and Shane had a problem too. Like if he had been a couple tenths faster in some of his rounds, he would have won that last night. Yeah. Yeah. Like there, it's yeah. just crazy how and that, the margin for error was so small. And that begs the question, is the average really something that needs to be considered? Or should it all just be in the rounds and just make it the fastest time every night? The average kind of mm, makes somebody I, I, almost, but hold on. Let me, let me get this done. <coughs> The average kind of makes people almost safety up. compete a different way where if it was all in the rounds, it would be a more exciting rodeo every night and be less confusing. Honestly, I was texting uh, well, Corb was asked me like, what's the difference between the aggregate and the average and all this different stuff. And like all the different terminology, why don't we just make it as easy as we can. Whoever makes the best ride that round, everything wins adds up, right? Like, simplify we're already hard enough to follow simplify so that's my point waste i'm sorry i cut you off but like no 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 i I agree with you i agree with those points for sure i think um the average rewards people for doing the best throughout the week i think the average is more is better off in the rough stock stuff because like if if you're getting on the bull like you still have to make the best ride where it's like with the average in a tie down like a timed event you can like safety up a bit and, and keep your average placing whereas like it's way harder to safety up in like the saddlebuck riding or the bull riding, I, I yeah, but that that keeps guys from taking re rides though. Yeah, in, in essentially sense, for sure. Yeah, yeah. you know what I mean. Not, I, not, I, I, not like, that like they the give them out. Not that they yeah. give them yeah. out. But uh, yeah, I, I I just don't know if it's necessary. Like I'm 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 questioning everything. Like this week, well, what if they're so then, what if, here's, a scenario, here's a scenario crossfire for you, a, a bull riding scenario for you. Yeah. Um, if one guy stays on and all your money's in the round, like how much money is he going to walk out towards the world standings? That shouldn't count. It should only be the first place points. The the ground money rule is bullshit. That's a dumb rule. But, but, I don't know but, how that ever but, came but it's, a, it's a it's a rule though. So it's a current be, rule, but the yeah. average isn't going away while that rule is in place right now. Anyways, yeah, we're, so we're talking like pipe dreams that probably won't ever happen. But I'm curious. I just wanted to put it out there for the people to question it and wonder what the best system. And I mean, and I mean like that's my like point. when looking at Shad's case, like he should still be rewarded for having the best season, right? Yeah, yeah, but maybe that average doesn't count and everybody goes to the rounds. And then a guy like Shane goes after the rounds that are going after the average. I don't know if that was what happened. Um, he definitely, you know, he was eight seconds in the last round. One rap, he might've been seven, five and would have, could have won, but he was going for the average. So that, and the average where he made most of his, most of his money. But if he was going for the round every night, I'm, I'd I would way rather watch Shane Hanshi go for the round and try and be under seven Six. every, yeah. every night. Then no, that's a good point. He ate flat every night and won the average because he won it on 81, you know, it was 81 point something over the over the week, which is an average of 8.1 yeah. seconds. I'd rather see him try and yeah. be six or seven every night, mm-hmm. not eight. That's right. That, that's my point on the average. I, I think it might deter the competition from being the actual absolute best it could be every night. That's my point. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. You're a little reckless. Teddy I want likes to see to things be a little reckless, bit man. reckless. Everybody well, likes it's way, it's, well, it's way funner. It's way funner when it's fast. We're in the right? entertainment business. We're not in the rodeo business. Let's get yeah, that point. Well, it's like, that's like, um, like how it's we talk, like on our like pick shows, like how like I mentioned it was slower in the barrel racing or whatever, or that one tweet I made. 
but yeah. it's, it's when it's faster it's way more exciting to watch 100 so I, I agree 100%. i agree with that people going for the rounds it could be it could add some better entertainment value for sure could be we'll see what happens we'll see it is vegas We'll see what happens when we go back next year uh, to the Wrangler NFR in Las Vegas. It was one year in Texas. It'll be back in Vegas in 2021. Hope that things are back rolling, but we'll wrap up the first half of the show. This is Cowboy Shit. I'm Ted. He's Wacey. we got Mr. James Foley, another guest host once again this week on episode 80. It's almost Christmas time. Thanks for listening. We'll be back with our guest after this thing. Hey, it's episode 80 of Cowboy Shit with Ted and Wacey. I guess special guest host today, James Foley. Wacey, Wacey Anderson down there. I was going to do a spin around on my chair, but I didn't want to get my cords tangled up and muck myself out. (laughs) Okay. Foley could do it. He's wireless, but anyways, here we are. Exactly. Well, uh, thanks everybody for being here today. We've got our guests. We're going to get right into it here. This part of the show today, we're speaking with a, a team roper engineer, rodeo committee member, and the founder of bottom hat ranch services. Howdy, howdy. How's it going? Alberta via Dubai. Thank you, sir. Tarek thanks for having me. Tarek, thanks for being on the show. Hey, great. Thank Yeah. Thanks for, uh, thanks for doing the show. We, uh, we wanted to talk to you today specifically because you got home from the from the wrangler NFR a couple days ago yep. just you bet. Uh, yeah. on friday i believe right get a first-hand first-hand look so you are you we can Done. call you our live uh reporter yeah. from texas made it back i did not no i am yeah, rona free sir so yeah how about that like that so let's just get off like start off on the bat like tell us about the finals in in uh, in arlington uh, you know, uh, so I've been going, this is my fourth NFR and, um, it was, uh, an immense amount of fun. If, if you were to break it down as to comparing just the rodeo to straight rodeo, this felt a lot more like a, it was an excellent rodeo, but it felt a lot more like a traditional rodeo. So not better or worse. It just didn't have the glitz and the glamour that Vegas does. Oh, and because of the size of the arena, like when you think about, you know, you put the stock in the competition for aside for a second and talk about the production um you had four pickup men versus two um you had a significantly bigger arena so about three times the size so every time you did have a buck out um or even just you know turning out chasing out you know your timed event stock it was a bit longer so i think on average it ran about 30 45 minutes longer than vegas uh from a production standpoint uh but it was still exceptionally produced it was just more traditional in its format were you far away from the action like was it like um, as a fan like is it like to me it feels like you'd be so far away that it would be not as good of an experience as in vegas so up so so there's some upsides and downsides so you are definitely you know it's just a significantly bigger arena but it's brand new i didn't know this it was i think it was first used in march of this year so brands bank it's not even a year old um so the facilities are outstanding the like the concessions and where you get your drinks and and so on is is uh really well designed now in terms of the viewing spot you are further back but it is a fairly steep arena so you're 
you're pushed out um, towards the action. The screens are huge. So if you need it, if you miss some detail and you wanted to watch the replay, um, I love that this year you could get, you know, the scoring for all four judges, stock and rider come in as they go along. And then on the power board, and this wasn't really obvious on TV because I went and watched this. On the power board, um, they put every result as they come in. So you could just, you know, you could glance around and you're like, well, who's got the best score or who's got the you know, best time? Um, you're there. Now, what I will say, the biggest advantage over Vegas is that whole warm-up hold pen area um you get to see it's exposed so you get to see all the um stock loading uh, people warming up uh oh. chatting um i got to see and you could spot him because he was wearing his cfr jacket uh logan bird um getting tj ready every night for shane hanji um and, and you know that was cool because these are things you'd never get to see um in vegas that being said vegas is is fast it's loud it's yeah, it's um um, that was one thing. The audio, I think they need to fix in that arena. It's pretty boomy, but I mean, it is much bigger and a lot less dense. Um, but I would say, you know, it was, it, would, would I go again in Texas? Absolutely. Um, do I love the Vegas format? Yes. No, one's not better than the other. They're just pretty different. What did, uh, what did you think of the openings? That was different this year with, uh, well, a friend of ours, Luke Coffin was, it ended up being the mm-hmm. director. Uh, Randy Bernard was one of the producers along with another guy from the PBR WCRA and different times Clayton Cullen. What were those openings like compared to Vegas? I thought they were uh, specifically. I I think the openings were like from a technology standpoint, you're dealing with an arena that's, you know, 30 years newer. So you definitely get better production quality. Um, You get a ton of space. Uh, to do what you need to do. The Canadian opening was outstanding. Um, I still think they do need to run Miss Rodeo Canada um, in, in the opening rather than, rather than the awkward screenshot. Um, 100%. But um, I will say, you know, um, the grand entry only because the Thomas Mac is so much smaller, looks a lot more dangerous, uh, you know, and, and just, it has that excitement of packing, you know, 120 horses, give or take um, in, in a basketball size arena versus a ball diamond. So it's not as dramatic, I would say, but, but definitely uh, incredible production quality. Yeah. Did you like being that it was a baseball diamond, you know what I mean? I, I figured that everybody was going to have good seats. Mm-hmm. But I was waiting to see that one person that got a shitty in in the outfield seat and had to watch the rodeo from behind and you could just see him back. Mm. You know what I mean? But, you know, right. the, the only thing, this was probably the first <laughs> NFR I had watched the whole through. So to tell you, you know what I mean, what Vegas was like. Now, the big thing I found was people right. were absolutely torqued about the judging. When, when, when you were there, did you mm-hmm. see like anybody in the stands like, come on. You know what I mean? Yelling or... Yes, no. So you got to keep in mind, this facility was running at less than half capacity. And and the reason why, um, you know, it moved from Thomas and Mac to Arlington is because then they could space it out. And they literally had the seats like ziplocked or like zip tied together, um, the ones you couldn't use. So when you bought your your tickets, you were farther away from from the next party, which was nice in the sense of like convenience. If you wanted to get up for a drink or so on, you you weren't pushing the whole row out because quite often you were the only one in your party on the row. Um, So the crowd, even if they were loud, weren't filling this arena with noise because it was, you know, at half capacity sold out. Um, I, I will say, though, in terms of audience engagement, 
um, you, you every now and then you would get the awes about like, you know, a score or so on. The scores were tough. There, there were certain things like I think it was that Oren's second or third go around where he, he didn't get a re-ride um, that got called out by even a couple of, like, you know, the fans there that saying, you know, what, what's, what's going on. Um, but no, nothing, nothing that stood out for or against. I think the, the star of the show though, in terms of the audience was easily Haley Kinzel. Like um, she is the one that got the crowd fired up every single night. Um, and I think, you know, um, was it JR's backhand loop? I was there for that perf. And I, I think mo- most people didn't, didn't see it because it happened so quick. And because, you know, to your point, you're further out, you didn't really see it as close. And then the announcers, and then when they replayed it, people realized it and then cheered for the replay rather uh, than the actual. Yeah. When, when it comes to like, you touched on fan experience, one thing that I found kind of funny Basically, was them uh, you put playing up, the yeah. audio from the like winner circle interviews and understand like did that actually add value or were you mm-hmm. able to understand what they were saying? Hardly. I think it depends on where you sat in the arena. That if you were directly in front of a speaker, great. Um, but if not, it was pretty boomy. And I'm wondering if the you know the audio for the arena was was designed to have 26,000 people in rather than 15,000. Um, and then because of that, it, it was, it was pretty boomy. You could hear a little bit of it, but the way I looked at it and I was talking to uh, the folks we were sitting with is, as I said, you know, um, when I want the audio, I'll go watch it. The replays back on the Cowboy channel. Um, I'm there for the atmosphere and the experience and the stockyards and, and just, just being away and, and, getting a little bit of normal if you want to call it that. So, uh, but yeah, no, you, you couldn't hear a lot of it. Uh, I remember one of the first or second interviews, they didn't even have feedback for the person um, being interviewed. And one of them was like, I I can't hear anything you're saying, but you said 92 points. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember that. I can't remember who who said it. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, He's like, I I just heard 92 points, but I can't hear a thing you're saying. Um, So I don't think even the people being interviewed, like the competitors being interviewed knew um, or or heard a lot of it. And then eventually they put a speaker in front of them so that they can hear themselves. Yeah. It's similar to what they do like hockey games. They do like the between period interviews. Like, right. I can't hear what you guys are talking about. Like it adds no value to my fan experience. Like have more like engaging stuff rather than, like, people being, like you said, you can go back and watch an interview if you want to hear it, right? I, I agree. And I mean, quite often, you know, talking about hockey interviews, you know, they're always the same thing. We got to play better <laughs> D, you got to get pucks in deep, uh, you know, all that sort of stuff. So, um, you know, and, and, I, and I think one of the beauties of rodeo is as athletes, those athletes don't have publicists and media folks and so on. They're what you see is what you get, right? They typically don't have media training like some of the other major sports. Um, so that's nice. It's, I mean, the dad announcement that happened yesterday, I mean, um, that was that was super, super freaking cool. Um, <laughs> but, but I would say, you know, um, in terms of other things that could have happened, yes, you could have had sideshows. You um, could have had, I don't know, like, like they do in hockey, you could have had some junior rodeo or trick riders, for example. Like there was no trick riders this year. Do you think that this has created some tension between Vegas and Texas now? Like I know like 100%. through the Cowboy Channel, they really romanticized being mm. back in Texas. Like every mm-hmm. other commercial is like the NFR is back in Texas where it belongs and stuff like that. A hundred percent. I think the thing about Vegas is, is 
there's the entertainment. Um, the thing about Texas is that cowboy heritage and pride. Mm-hmm. Um, and even the fans there, one, there was a ton of local fans um, and a lot of fans from around Texas that this was an easier drive for them to come in. Um, and I was talking to a couple of fans and they said exactly the same thing. They're like, this lacks the glitz. I mean, if you're down for the concerts and the shopping and the fan experience and the casinos and the restaurants, plus the fact that you don't have to drive anywhere if you stay on the strip, mm-hmm. um, those are all big pluses for Vegas. But when you look at the, like the heritage and just the pride factor of like, we are unapologetically cowboy, um, I-, I would say if the contract was up for grabs, now that Texas can prove that they could do the NFR, um, I think there'll be a fight. I think, I think that having been to Vegas and, you know, spent the last, you know, 90, I spent, I've watched 90 performances in Vegas from 2010 to mm. 2019. I guess even more than that, probably 95, but uh, everybody comes into Vegas. It's a half a million room nights. The amount of money that comes into Vegas off of that event, you know, at tops in, in Texas, you would have had, you know, 15,000 by, by 10 is 150,000 maybe, but if people are coming from close by and staying right. home, there's not the economic impact the same way that Vegas has it. It's just not, I don't think, I don't think it's going anywhere. There's way too much going on in Vegas. And I think they're going to pony up and bump it up if they have to, to keep it. Cause that's it's just I, too big of a fish to leave. To I, I agree. Like I was talking to a couple of folks and I said, you know, Vegas is probably really pissed right now. Like they, <laughs> um, you know, like, you know, Texas managed to pull off a really good NFR. I mean, it's not Vegas NFR, but they, so I saying, I, I agree. Like, I think Vegas would, was upset that they've lost it and um they didn't lose it um, they just they, they, they just lost off. it for the year yeah. right yeah exactly and um and, and i think that for the fans as well um uh, you know and everybody's been talking about the size of the arena and the competitors especially the the timings having to switch out horses to adapt for a different format arena um team ropers have been talking a lot about how much left they get which y- you, you can clearly see, right? Like, and, and I love Joe Beaver on, on color and uh, you know, he was talking quite a bit about that, but anyway, story for another day. Well, I think that one, one, one thing you got to touch on when you're talking about the NFR moving to uh, Texas is Vegas puts a pile of money back into the PRCA. Mm-hmm. When you look at it from a business standpoint, you look at all the sponsorships that Vegas itself brings. I don't think Texas can give that back to the PRCA and with as much money as Vegas, the Mirage, South Point, MGM, those are huge, huge, right. huge, huge players in the PRCA money that helps the PRCA to run. So I think you take that away. I, I don't think Texas, unless they get big oil companies to jump on board, they're not going to have that that fund that Vegas gives them. Uh, I agree. And, and I mean, as yeah. a fan experience, like you've got to rent a car, right? Like, which is a big... Um, downside people traveling in that sucks like mm-hmm. I, I personally i'd rather go to vegas and be able to get everywhere by uber or walking mm-hmm. as opposed like, to like going it's like because you're probably staying in fort worth you're not really going to stay in arlington that's right like yeah. and, and that's the thing is that's a 40 minute drive parking um and just, you know, to get around, you, you've got to get a car in Texas and uh, there were no shuttles, right? So unless you Ubered, um, there were no shuttles this year. So uh, it's a different experience. I would say, you know, does it put Globe Life on, on the map in terms of being able to host another big rodeo? Yes. Um, um, will, they, will they keep it? You know, no. Will the NFR go back to Vegas? Yes, um, I think. Um, will it push Vegas to, you know, 
let's not forget Vegas has got two other big arenas now. So, you know, the Raiders and um, the Knights. So the thing is, does it stay in Vegas, but move into a bigger setup? Maybe not for right? a while and both not for a while yeah. because uh, the Thomas and Mac, there's a bunch more uh, updates they've done on it and it's still the university right. arena. So that like UNLV isn't going to, isn't going to get no. rid of their basketball arena. They're not going to go pay MGM to have their basketball games at T-Mobile. So the, the uh, Thomas Mack is one of those places that's just not going to go away, but I could see, I could I, see it go into the Raiders stadium. Like that could be, mm-hmm. could be something, but then again, I could also not see it because how are you going to ever have three weeks of that NFL stadium? Like this is, that's just not going to happen. I don't think that's right. Cause you got, you got yeah. a week set up. And then you got two weeks of rodeo, two weekends. Like there's just no way. And, the, and then the teardown is all. Yeah, just yeah. no way. But like even even at the Thomas and Mac, and even at the, that rodeo, it puts such a higher price on those tickets too because of the scarcity. Mm-hmm. And then you have however many people. Like my dad came with me to the NFR from like probably 2011 to 2015 or 16 or something, and he didn't go to the perf one time. Like he didn't even want to go to the perf. He'd rather sit in the lounge at the Tropicana mm-hmm. and drink his scotch in the evenings and watch the rodeo there and go to see the see the cowboy Christmas. Like there are thousands and th- like, I don't know how many people it would be exactly, but I, I mentioned a stat about uh, Vegas where they have half a million room nights. There's only 15,000 right. tickets a night and there's half a million people coming no. to town for this rodeo. That's just never going to happen in Texas. I'm not going to go to Texas right. to hang out around the NFR, but right. in Vegas, you're going to, because you can go to all the other shows. The people are all in town, the shopping, the everything. There's so much more. So that's, that's yep. that thing and and just a comment for wacy wacy went to the nfr one time i didn't yeah. even see Me and my him brother went I... up the whole time <laughs> i think he pissed oh, his man. Pants. They're gonna i think he got lost in the cab he had a quite the time okay 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 pissed on it <laughs> i don't interest because because you guys well changing the topic because how many head total of, of canadian stock was down for the nfr do you guys have that stat i don't have i know it this calgary year. has 17 i don't but, have it this year usually uh, i'd keep track but it would have been lower usually it's about like mid 50s it's been anywhere from you know 45 to 55 the last few years but mm-hmm. without the kessers this year it would have been a lot different they usually send about 10 or 12 depending mm-hmm. so and usually a bull or two it was definitely down this year but up, up for Calgary, but down for a number of other people. But, but I mean, right. and again, Calgary would have got a couple extra because there's no Kessler horses there too. So nothing, not to take away from Calgary, but there's a lot of good Canadian bucking horses that weren't there this year. Mm-hmm. No, it was, I, I think just in terms of exposure. And I also love that on TV, they gave the acknowledgement for Canadian stock. Um, yeah. Like it was, it was, uh, it was incredible. Like it was a lot of Canadian stock. I'll have to go. I'm going to go look it up for our top of the show. So I have it in here, but. But anyways, yeah, big, uh, big year at the NFR. Great. You know, we'll talk about the stats on the top of the show, but let's go. Sure. Let's talk more about you, Tarek. Do you want to start us off? Wasting or would you like me to? Yeah. So ask, I guess like the best way to start is like your story. Like how did you end up coming from Dubai and becoming a jumping on the Airdrie rodeo committee of all places? Uh, man. So um, what I normally do. So I, I, I didn't grow up in, in rodeo or, um, Heck, you know, the house I grew up in, we never had a, a dog or a cat or, or even a goldfish. So I have no animal experience whatsoever. And, um, but I always travel for an event. Uh, so like for my own personal vacations, I always go for a concert, a festival or, or something. And I sit at home and um, watching a Western and I was like, well, I've never been to a rodeo before. Um, and I thought, hey, this would be 
cool. So I kind of went online in Dubai and, and looked up a couple of rodeos and the Calgary rodeo was going on the stampede. So I thought, Hey, that'd be cool. Um, rodeo to go to. What I wanted to start. Uh, exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, that trip was a trip, a, a many of firsts and now this is normalized, but at, at the time, um, I, I'd also, it's just not in the culture growing up in Dubai to, uh, to camp. Um, and I thought, Hey, how cool would it be to rent an RV and like sleep in a vehicle and, um, and, uh, and, and, and watch and watch the rodeo. So I did, I rented an RV and I thought this is pretty exotic. Like I'm actually sleeping in my, <laughs> in my moving hotel room. Um, and, and you know, those like tacky RVs that you see around BAM. Yeah. Uh, I was one of those guys. I was hundred percent one of those nice. guys. Um, nice. And uh, shuttled from the campgrounds to the rodeo. And I had never been to rodeo in my life and, and sat in the stands. And I, so what was like your initial reaction, like walking onto the stampede? Uh, like the first time ever. It's, it's the just like, like it's crazy. It's like it's it's out of a movie. It's it's uh, everybody's in cowboy hats and in jeans and in country music and all that. And um, you're like, wow, this is like, you know, what I saw online. Um, and I bought tickets um, and and watched the rodeo, and I sat in the stands and I'm like this is the coolest thing ever. I'm going to be on the other side of that <laughs> fence. Um, like, that's exactly what I'm going to do. Um, and uh, something happened. And uh, I went home and uh, quit my job, sold the house, sold the car, um, made, made wow. plans to move out here um, and uh, moved. I figured I knew I wanted to be around Calgary, but not in Calgary. So I kind of get the quasi rural experience. So it was going to either be like Airdrie or Okotoks or Cochrane, like one of the satellite towns around. And then did you, did you live in a smaller town? Like, in, like absolutely. Near, I, right I was a downtown boy, like through and through. So, yeah. Oh, wow. So, wow. um, and, uh, um, I sent an email to the Airdrie Ag Society, um, saying, um, this can sound pretty unusual, but I moved here from Dubai about four days ago. Um, and I really want to get into this life. What do I do? Uh, and they're like, yeah, sure. That's awesome. um, and then, and then the president too, I, I, in many ways call my Canadian mom right now, Brenda Moon. Um, <laughs> she uh, is, by the way, fun fact about Brenda. She's the one that brought tough enough to wear pink to Canada. Um, she's, she's oh, wow. a two time breast cancer survivor um, and had seen tough enough to wear pink at the Wrangler NFR and said, um, you know, let's bring this initiative to Canada and, and started it here. Um, so, um, she's like, yeah, absolutely. And, and it was really gracious because she really, in many ways, she gave me my break and gave me contact of all these farmers and ranches. And then there was a ranch rodeo coming up in two weeks. So she's like, Hey, you should go volunteer. Um, and I did, and my job was to open and close gates and let steer through. And I was like, Oh shit, that's like a real steer. I could touch that like like you know um so i'd absolutely never had that experience uh, in my life and then i started driving tractor and one thing led to another i got onto the committee i um first job at the airdrie pro rodeo was uh, bartending and i'm a bit of a night owl so I, I think everyone should do this where they should bartend at a rodeo cabaret in small town alberta at one in the morning when you're <laughs> sober and everyone else isn't um it is it is some it is an experience i'll tell you um <laughs> it's an incredible experience um uh, and then you know i started taking riding classes and then bought a horse and then bought a second and then bought a third and and started roping um and uh did a couple of jackpots this year which was a lot of fun um and and also 
oddly enough, starting getting called up by friends who are in the ranching community. Like, Hey, do you want to like come rope at our branding? And I said, like me, like, are you sure? Like, that's a big honor. Like, you don't, it, everybody gets to rope with the brand. No. Awesome. And then I'm like, they're like, yeah, yeah, bring a horse. And, um, so I've, I've, I love that part of it too. Like I love what happens in the rodeo arena and I love backing into a box, but I also love real cowboy shit. Right. And, and, uh, pushing cows or, um, or branding or, or, you know, pasture roping or any of that. And it's, it's been an insane experience to, to do it. And if you would have asked, you know, me five or six years ago, would you have ever thought I would have said, absolutely not. Like I've been in Canada just a little bit, I think just a little under or over seven years now. And uh, it's, it's been an incredible experience. So yeah, it started off with a vacation to the Calgary stampede and, um, <laughs> and everybody that asked me like, why'd you move from Dubai to, to Airdrie of all places? And I say, the stampede made me do it. And they're like, Oh, it must've been a girl. And I'm like, Oh no, actually it was a horse. The stampede <laughs> <is actually> the <laughs> exactly. So, um, so yeah, it's, is it's a horse and uh, it's, it's, um, it's just a lifestyle. And I, I love it. And um for well when the stampede was running for three years in a row the stampede uh um have a partnership with an organization that um brings in and, and supports new canadians for employment and they've called me for the last three years and said we'd like you to keynote or stampede 101 event for new canadians which has been a huge honor um and they're oh, wow. like well because you're the only new Canadian we know that's in rodeo. And I'm like, well, that's mm-hmm. really sweet. Um, but these are people, I mean, I see that have been, um, some of them have been in the country for four or five days, uh, you know, like they've uh, brand new with their families. And I tell them, you know, the values of rodeo speak to me and outside of like the technicalities and the production and so on, the grit, the perseverance, the respect, the, the work ethic, um, uh, and and really the camaraderie behind rodeo, uh, that those are universal values that that apply everywhere. And if you can see that, then then you will appreciate rodeo. Um, and and that's what rodeo is to me, really. What what uh, talk about? We got to talk about your upbringing in in Dubai. Mm-hmm. That over there was like I, I haven't been there yet. My dad talks about working there in the oil business in the early '60s, different times. Right. So like I got to know about well, that. I I'm so curious. It's, it's, um, I would, I would say everybody needs to experience Dubai once, at least in their life, like not necessarily live there, but even just to, to visit. Uh, there is no city like it in the world. Um, in terms of everything that is new and opulent and, and flashy and wealthy and, um, ambitious, I would say, um, it's there growing up there, um, was definitely, a really interesting experience. Um, I grew up very city, uh, but very fortunate with the experiences that I that I've had there. Obviously, oil is is the industry that that really founded the country in many ways. Um, uh, hence, a lot of us why why we're engineers and why moving here corporately, my corporate life translated pretty easily. Um, moving, you know, into oil. Um, but, but I would say it's, it's a very luxurious life. Um, and it's, it's, it's one where, um, uh, a lot of stuff is provided, uh, and, and, um, accessible to you. What I do miss, like people ask me, like, is there anything you missed? And I'm like, well, you know, I, I do miss, uh, the accessibility to travel. Like one of the things that, um, 
shocked me moving to Canada was like, uh, oh, you know, this is my new country. I'm going to go out and explore it. And I looked at like the cost of domestic travel and I'm like, oh shit. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. And, and, you know, in Dubai, you could decide, you know, on a Tuesday night, oh, I want to go with my friends to Barcelona for the weekend and find really accessible travel. Um, so I, I miss that. I'm very fortunate that I got to do a lot of that uh, growing up. So what, uh, that was a lot of fun. What part of the city were you in? I'm just looking at the map right now just to get a little familiar. Right. So, uh, I mean, it, well, we'll use a Canadian reference. So the ski hill in Dubai, I lived about 15 minutes away from there, <laughs> um, which was actually the first time. So 15 minutes north of ski hill. Um, and it was actually the first time I'd ever seen snow or sub-zero temperatures in my life to experience them um, was, was in that indoor ski hill. Um, uh, and, and I would say that that was also a part of why, uh, you know, Canada was, I, I took up snowboarding and it, it was a ton of fun. And I'm like, I could do this like, uh, over the weekends at a real mountain. So, um, so it was a lot of fun. So you lived close to the tallest building in the world. So that was about a 20 minute drive from home, I would really? say, uh, from downtown to buy. Yeah. So, um, uh, I lived in an area called the Springs and, and, um, which was fun because it was pretty accessible and uh, to all the cool spots and the clubs and, and the ski hill and, and, and the towers. Um, plus like the dining and the entertainment, you're spoiled for choice. You're, you're like every night, forget every weekend, you're like, well, there's 16 things I could do tonight. Which one am I going to do? So um, I, I, you know, it, it's um, it, ironically enough, um, a lot of, you know, news articles and travel um, bloggers would call it uh, the Vegas of the Middle East. And I never really understood that until I went to Vegas. Huh. And I'm like, oh, really? this feels a lot like home. Really? Um, uh, it, it does. It feels a lot like home. The 24-hourness, the energy, the, the opulence. Um, like if you think of the higher-end uh, resorts on the Strip, feels really Dubai to me. Really? So, you know, I, I, I get those Dubai, Dubai vibes off Vegas for what, sure. What did your family do? Uh, so the same, so my dad is an engineer. Uh, my mom was in real estate. Um, and um, um, yeah, that's kind of all, all, I, all I knew. My dad's side of the family are all engineers. So that's, that, that explains why uh, I, I became one. I, I had a choice of discipline of engineering. Yeah. Um, so, you know, but, uh, but yeah, they, um, that's what we did. So 15 minutes north of the ski hill, is oh. that on the beach? Like where you're right on the water or we're <sighs> very close. Yes. Very close. Yeah. So um, if you look up the Springs and it's a, it's a fun area, Ted, Ted, you and I got, got to take a trip down oh, there. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm in for it. Yeah. Storm yeah. wants to go to the horse so. races. I want to go. I want to go. Yeah. Too. Done. <laughs> what what was the uh, hmm. what was the reaction from your family when you were like yo i'm i'm packing up i'm moving to alberta so I'll, i'm gonna be a cow i'm gonna be a cowboy i'll tell you not just family family friends colleagues they're like well you're giving up a great career you're close to your family um and and, and, it, and i mean life is great there like you you drive a new car every year and and um very well looked after and the tax-free lifestyle too was pretty appealing. Um, but, but the thing is when, when, what I found out two things, and this is quite a personal experience is I was working a really great corporate job 
and I looked at a lot of our senior VPs and they made a lot of money, but were they really happy in life? And a lot of them are like, oh, when I retire, I'll go buy a farm somewhere. I said, actually, you know what? I'm going to do that right now. Um, and and I, I didn't want to think about what if, what if I didn't do this? Um, and I wouldn't change this lifestyle that I've got now for, for the world. Um, so uh, they, 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 I mean, did, did they think I was crazy? Absolutely. Um, I'm very fortunate that I've got friends and family that were super supportive uh, around me. And, um, uh, and, and they're like, well, if it makes you happy, try it out. And, you know, the worst that could have happened was it didn't work out, but and you end up exactly. Then. But the good news was it did work out. And, um, you know, I, I love Alberta. I, it certainly is home very much. So, and, and I feel very much home in this community. There's not a rodeo I could go to in this province that I don't know at least 50 or 60 people there. Right. And, and I love that. I absolutely love that. Um, so yeah, they, they definitely did think that I was, I was crazy and nuts. Uh, but they were also really supportive, uh, at work on my last day at work, I got, and I have them somewhere here. I got a toy farm set, um, that they gave me and they said, maybe this could be your starter pack that you could play with, <laughs> um, on the plane, uh, until you get your, your real horses and cows. So, uh, you know, and it started off as a joke, but it's actually happened. So, um, it's, it's pretty crazy that way. Have you been able to like share that experience now with people like from your circle back there? If they came to visit and you've taken the stampede or to their rodeo, like how's that? Absolutely. Been? So my parents came to visit um, and uh, the circuit was running um, and just the, the rodeo that was happening that weekend was the Okotoks rodeo. So I took them there and uh, the exact words my, my mom used was, uh, she's like, I feel like I'm watching a Western movie, but I'm actually in it too. She's like, I didn't believe this existed. Like, you know, um, and um, so absolutely. So I, you know, I've done the tourist trail with, with my family and uh, I've shared rodeo and we'll talk a little bit about this, but I've shared rodeo with a lot of first timers. Um, and I absolutely love doing that. And sharing this lifestyle and the heritage, um, whether through official means, like, you know, doing Stampede 101 for new Canadians or just taking friends that have never been to a rodeo, to a rodeo before. So, or family. So yeah, my, my parents have visited and uh, I took them to the rodeo and, um, I, I, you know, mothers will always be mothers. And she's like, please tell me that you're not doing this. And I'm like, not of the bucking stock. <laughs> and she's like, okay. Um, you know, but, but, uh, but, uh, yeah, I did. I did to answer your question. Yes. Did you, would you ever get on a bull just to like try it? <sighs> you know, I've <laughs> asked myself that question a, a thousand times. Um, I'm, I'm a little older now, so I, I don't bounce back as fast. And, and I've had a couple of broke course wrecks um, just purely out of inexperience. So it, getting on a bull might, you know, if, if I was to try any of the rough stock events, I'd do saddle bronc before I did bulls. Um, oh. So... <laughs> Um, I, I think, but I, 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 you know what, under the right circumstances, maybe, but, uh, but I don't know if, if there was one rough suck event, I would try maybe ranch bronc, um, before, before, uh, before that, before both. Um, so something I, I wonder all the time is like, how can we expand rodeo into like different markets and attract new people to the sport? It's kind of, it's kind of good to be able to talk to you. Like, so what, how do you think we can attract more people from like, like the Middle East or Asia? into our sport and kind of make it like a whole new, they could really expand our fan base. Should we, and even get different contestants from different nationalities and minorities? You know, it's, it's a, it's a great question. 
with with a long answer so you tell me when you want to shut up or or you know if you want me to break it down or or so on um you know looking at it from the outside so there are those who grew up in rodeo and that's all they know which is amazing and then there's those who look at it from the outside many many do and then there's those who look at it from the outside are interested and then there's a few that are like you know what i'm going to pull the trigger and and get in um what i found is um sadly if you look at it, and this is a little political, but if you look at it from the outside and the media and just general society has painted rodeo as this closed community um, that's redneck and non-inclusive uh, and so on, which is incredibly far from the truth. I, I I don't have family in Alberta, so the rodeo family is my family and, and they feel exactly like that. Um, and I have never, ever once in, in rodeo ever felt not included or marginalized or on the outlines or anything like that. I have, I feel like part of this family and I am treated like part of this family and it's a big honor that I am. Um, in terms of attracting folks to the sport, I think it's a mixture of exposure, education, and focusing back on those values, right? So there's, yes, the technicalities of it, but I think you, if you sell the values of rodeo, those are pretty universal. Um, you know, like people appreciate grit and perseverance and, and a hard work ethic. Um, and so, you know, uh, one of the things I've been trying to do is educate a lot of rodeo outsiders on rodeo and, and the heritage and where it's come from um, and so on. I started um, an initiative uh, that started at, at the Airdrie Pro and I took it to the CPRA called This Is My First Rodeo. And, and what it is, is, is it's a pre-rodeo shoot tour for rodeo first-timers, um, explaining rules, equipment, format. Uh, you get to meet, you know, stock contractors, competitors, um, the judges, even even the entertainer. Um, and, and you get about an hour, hour and a half, very private, very hands-on, tour of what a rodeo operation looks like. And I had pitched this initially to the Airdrie Pro and we thought, well, is the idea going to work? Is it not? Et cetera. Um, we have had guests from Sweden, New Zealand, Australia, Ireland. Um, we had, uh, I remember this, a couple, a retired couple out of Ontario, their bucket list item on retirement was to get their pilot's license and buy a plane. And they did. And they flew into the Airdrie airport um, and took a cab uh, to come watch the rodeo and did the tour. And I'm like, what brought you to Airdrie? And they're like, we wanted to watch a rodeo. Um, and, and we thought this is a great way to have accessibility to understanding it rather than just buying tickets and not understanding what was going on. So um, I think, you know, to answer your question, the more education we could do, the more exposure. Um, and I think, you know, compared to many other sports, this is a sport that is pretty accessible for fans, whether in terms of ticket prices or even just how close you are to the action, especially for the smaller rodeos. So the more we could do of that, the more we'll see people come in. Um, that's from a spectator standpoint. Now, you know, it's a whole different story as to how we can engage folks from a competition sponsorship, um, you know, stock and equipment. But, but at least from a spectator standpoint, there's so much we could do from an education standpoint. So what's, what what what's your thought on uh, Lemmy, on 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 his story? Because there's a guy that you know wasn't mm -hmm. into bull riding, decided hey that's something that I want to try, 
got on a bull to find out that he is the best bull rider right. in the world. And now he's succeeded to being, you know, something that there's guys that have rode bulls mm-hmm. for 30 years that haven't been able to do what he's done in what, right. six years, seven years. Like the guy, the guy's a phenom. So, so for, for a guy coming mm-hmm. from your standpoint or your point of view, is that somebody that you look at and go, you know, what? absolutely. Like, I think, you know, what, I mean, rodeo does, does get a better app for, for not being diverse. It is, I think. Um, and, and I, I think you've got stories like Lemmy or Junior Nogueira is, is, you know, from, for the timeies as well. Right. Like, um, uh, and, and what the Brazilians have done and the Mexicans have done for bull riding, for example, and how it's exploded in popularity is amazing. Um, so now the question is who let Lemmy or who gave Lemmy the opportunity to get on a bull? Like those are the people we need more of as well. So we don't just need the Lemmys, but we need the people that give opportunities to folks that um, don't have that opportunity. So let me give you a a, a personal experience. Um, This last roping season, if you want to call it that, um, there was quite a few CFR finalists that came in my corner and said, hey, you're a beginner, but we're going to help you because we want to see you succeed. And we see the passion that you have. Those are the guys that unlock opportunities for people that aren't in the community. Um, and those are guys that, you know, because of the rodeo season being cut short, were available for classes and support and coaching and mentorship. And how so do you, on. how do you bridge that gap between, so, between them though? Like, cause you had that access cause you were already integrated in the community. Like, so how do you, would you bridge that gap from someone right. completely new to like the, the CFR guys or guys to teach them? Great. So I, I think I think um, what what we don't have a lot of I, I find in our sport is and this is one thing I'm trying to tackle is um, accessibility to beginner clinics or uh, beginner events um, or orientation programs like just one hundred and one programs uh, whether it's bull riding or roping or bronc riding or so on. So if you don't if you ha- don't have exposure to the community or you don't have exposure to the sport one way or another, you were either born into it or came by it or so on. It is really difficult to come in from the outside and not because it's exclusive. So let me point that out. It's not because the sport doesn't want you or these people don't want you. You just don't have the accessibility and whether that's the infrastructure of social media or clinics or internet websites or so on being available saying, Hey, I want to learn how to ride. Like in Alberta, it is not easy to find someone to teach you how to ride. Just forget, you know, for rodeo or competition or so on. Yet we're horse country. Um, so, you know, it, it's one of those things where like, I got that question a lot is like, you know, could you point me out to instructors? And yes, you have to come through them through the network and so on. But is there a website you could go onto or a school that you could go onto that, that says that? No. Yeah. The, um, the website so, or the, the thing, one of the things that gets the most traffic on like our, on our website, mm-hmm. everything cowboy mm-hmm. is schools. We do, I do make a point of making a Perfect. list of schools every year because there's tons and tons of people looking for, yep. looking for that. Like there's thousands and they're, they're all across the country. They're looking for these schools. I get emails like randomly, like, Hey, where do I send my kid for steer riding school? There was a guy the other day that I grew up around. Like I played hockey with his brother when I was like six years old and 
he was looking for a mini bull riding for his for his kid. Like it was it was the coolest thing. Then he bought some cowboy shit merch too on the website. But it was it was the neatest thing. He had my cell phone number from my dad because he's my dad's neighbor. And he called me up. He's like, "Hey, how do I get my kid in this?" Like it's that's one thing that I do find promising is people are 100%. looking for it. Like he said, there's like one like where do you like if I wanted to go to a team roping school, there's what like one right anywhere maybe exactly exactly and I, and I think you know the u.s probably does that better a little bit than can in terms of infrastructure um so we've got a great rodeo circuit here and great rodeo athletes i would say just the accessibility infrastructure here the other thing is for example you know college rodeo is huge in the u.s it's it's a recognized college sport it's a, yeah. um you could get a, a rodeo scholarship in the u.s whereas in canada if i'm correct me if i'm wrong but you can't um like there's uh, you know well, okay. it's not, not the there's, same degree yeah, right it's not the same degree but. it's really only for million and and old right there's yeah. such agricultural colleges. yeah so it's i i get what you're saying it's but the, but the whole college rodeo the whole college sports thing in the states is oh for sure for sure but but i agree i think i think yeah. in terms of infrastructure and accessibility um and i know about team roping a little bit more because i'm in that community but if you look at like team roping jackpots in alberta i think you know up until they shut down the lowest number you could get into was either a seven and a half or an eight. So what about the number? So what about the number? Exactly. Right. Don't even. Exactly. Heck, what about a number three? Like the serious beginner, I call it. Right. Right. Oh man. I, I, I am still a serious beginner. Let's call it that. So (laughs) yeah. 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 So you haven't got, you haven't broken the system. Uh, uh, no. Well, the thing is um, this was the year I actually wanted to, to card and, and get a number, but I had a, a pretty decent wreck last year that um, said, you know, yeah. T- tell us about that. You, know, you, you mentioned that before. It was, it was, it was, Oh, oh geez. No, uh, I was actually healing and I, I shouldn't have been um, to start with uh, and not with nine months of riding experience. And um uh steer turned to hard left my horse turned to hard left i didn't uh so yeah well i went i went a hard right straight into a steel fence uh head first um so um and um i was in the er in probably less than 15 minutes which was uh an experience um and uh, i ended up getting 13 stitches to the head um i tore tore muscle off my arm and uh i cracked a couple of ribs but um it, you know, it, it was a very humbling experience and a, and a very educational experience. One, I thought timeies shouldn't wreck. Like I thought, you know, um, of, of all the, ro- exactly, safer, exactly. Of, of all the sports, you know, I'm, I'm knocking on the door of my forties here. So I thought of all the sports, <laughs> um, um, timeies are the ones that don't wreck and, and apparently they do, or at least the inexperienced ones do. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's worth a lot of shit going on in the team. Right? Yeah, exactly. And, um, <laughs> Uh, what it did was it put me back and say, okay, these are all the educate. And, and then I went back to my coaches. And I'm like, well, I, I need to focus now on when things go sideways and how to manage when things go wrong rather than when things go right, because I need to focus on. Yeah. Cause it's, it's easy to do stuff when it's going easy, but that's when, when shit starts going sideways, you need to not to get out of those scenarios. For sure. Exactly. And, um, and, and just work on becoming a better horseman and a better rider before I became a better roper. Uh, and, and I, I spent a whole winter doing just that. Like I didn't pick up a rope for a whole winter and just focused on riding. Um, that being said, you know, I was kicked out of the ER and told to rest. I was under concussion watch for a while. Um, but I was on a horse five days later. Right. And, and, um, and I said, if I don't get back on, I don't know if I will. 
So I have to get back on. Um, and it was, and that's like, that's like some of the values you learn like through like being part of exactly you cowboy up and you, <laughs> yeah. you know, you ride through the pain. And I said, you know, even if it's just a walk, but I didn't, I didn't even have the like strength to, to, to tack up. Like I, I needed help. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I got back oh, on God. and I said, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to come back on and, and seven months later turned to steer again. So it was, it was nice to do that. Um, uh, and, and I had like, again, when you talk about rodeo community, like everybody was cheering for me. Like, I don't know, it was, mm-hmm the NFR or something just because, you know, I was back, I was back in the game. So um, it's a good feeling. Cause you like defeated that monster. Mm-hmm. Right? Like even like, I'm sure Ted could speak to it too. Like after you get hurt and you come back to an event and you finally get that one road, it's kind of just builds up that meant like that you can still do oh, it. Oh, for sure. And then you, I never got over yeah. it personally. Right. I know Ted Ted, you had a, you had quite, quite the experience too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well with my shoulder, like I've got, mm-hmm. I had to get my shoulder fixed up and I just never came back from it. It just, kind of wrecked me i was always would my you, excuse and just never yeah never came back from which, it. so yeah, would you would you do quit, something quit, else quit eventually right. mm-hmm. um well i've roped a little bit like just had little bull rider jackpots like prince albert and um mm-hmm. right. i'm not that interested i guess honestly and i don't have the capital to do it I either like, I, I love team i team rope like for, for a long time mm-hmm. since i was a kid and I, lo- I love it but i could never reach that level of passion that i had for riding right. bulls with team roping i i, I would i loved it i love going to practice yeah. jackpots I, I would do that all day but i could never get to a point where i'm like okay i'm gonna gonna go and right. video like it's so ex- much more expensive and just like super competitive and so, I just didn't have that same level of compete with yeah it. so i have a, a touchy question for you guys the bull riders then um uh, what what this one's an airdry right uh, here that's my air nice oh yeah yeah i recognize them shoots yellow too right so yeah um is um uh, what could the prca slash cpra learn from the pbr uh, so many things <laughs> oh so many things uh, this is the know, thing we like, talk about uh, on every show i think yeah <laughs> i hear you but i don't know how far we're um, going to get into that's that another right show when it's done <laughs> done you know because it's one that i've always wondered you know, and fully to your point about the business end of rodeo, I feel like the PBR have, have nailed the business end of rodeo, like have absolutely nailed it, right? Um, and um, there's a big question as to, you know, and, and, and to answer your question as well as how to expand the rodeo audience, um, I bet you PBR has a lot of folks that watch it that are from the city or not from the rodeo or so on. Um, how do we expand that? Like, you know, there's a lot to learn from the PBR. I think the PBR places a higher value on and entertainment mm-hmm. and fan experience than general rodeo does. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where it like really, really distances. Itself. Right. Where like I have I have buddies like who live in Calgary, like our city boys, and they come across the PBR on TV and they love watching right. it. Right. So it's high and high energy, exciting for them the to production. watch. Production. Like, yep. Yeah, yeah, you bet. Yeah, there's way more value placed. On and it. I you think bet. I think a big thing too in there is the animals used. Mm-hmm. Um, being that guys are riding bulls compared to guys riding horses, seems like more people care about horses as they do to the bull. And they're like, yeah. wow, well, you know, the bull's just going to kill that guy if he wants to, where, yeah. Yeah. Where, where people feel like horses are getting made to buck and, and don't have a fair shot against the cowboy where people are like, you know, what? yeah, fucking rack them out, rack them out. Woo! You, gotta no. out. you know what I mean? 
but that's that's where stuff like you've been doing Tarek, like with the like the 101 mm-hmm. and the my first rodeo like you can really i think that's the biggest problem too for non-traditional rodeo mm-hmm. fans they're uneducated on like how stuff actually and, works and not just and not just uh uneducated you know i want to talk about this is miseducated so you know when i look at the mass media of things like oh we tie their nuts right? Um, One of the things I always do is get the stock contractor to show what a flank strap looks like. um, And, and, you know, what a bull rope flank flank strap looks like. Um, And, and we actually make them touch and feel, right? What a flank strap looks like and put it around their neck, um, the audience and say, this is what we use, right? So, um, so I think it's not just you're absolutely spot on. It's not just, it's miseducation. Like there's a lot of miseducation out there uh, either from misinformed activists or the media saying, you know, this is, this is a cruel sport. Um, And, and that's one of the things that I completely address through rodeo one-on-one and through, you know, um, this is my first rodeo. Um, And the response from the community has been outstanding because now they know. Right. And one of the things I physically do is put someone in a chute, right? Like the tourists, I, I put them in a chute and close it. And I'm like, this is how much space you have with 16, 1700 pounds of bull underneath you. Um, and they never realize that until they're actually physically in it. So I want to open that accessibility up to people that, that um, don't have access to rodeo. And um, what I'm very fortunate about is all the rodeo personnel that I've worked with, whether stock contractors, Ted, I ran into you lots, you know, doing that. And, uh, and um, uh, the entertainers, the competitors, etc. cetera, uh, even sports medicine folks, um, you know, they all want to educate and they, and they educate really, really well. And I'm just, I'm trying to be the channel that allows for that education. I'd love for you to do that with like some activists, like the, mm-hmm. the my first rodeo thing. I think right. that would change a lot of people's like for them to actually get the experience. Absolutely. And, and I mean, you know what? I, I'm I'm happy. Like you know, my my rodeo skills are terrible. Um, but 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 education and knowledge and communication, especially like I want to use my platform as someone who was an outsider. I am an immigrant to Canada, a minority. I was I wasn't born here. I didn't grow up here. I didn't grow up in the sport. Um. Yet, I, I feel more accepted in this community than any other community I've ever been in. Um, and, 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 and so one, that, that's, that, that on its own is great proof of how accepting this community is, right? And, and how inclusive this community is. And then two, you know, I, w- I want to be open to educating folks on, on our sport, on our heritage. So it isn't just how do you get a 90-point ride, but why does Saddle Bronc exist? Right, like, and, and why does bull riding exist, and why does rodeo exist to start with, right? Yeah, for, first thing, uh, I just wanted to say thanks for for saying that that everything you read on on social media is right. true. I appreciate that. Thank you. Because because I believe a lot of shit I see on there. Mm. Here, you can, now I'm going <laughs> right. to start second guessing yeah, right. everything. But I go b- back to the animal activists. You know, me being a stock contractor, um, I try. Like, it, it's crazy when I talk to people and they're like, "Oh yeah, yeah, bulls, you tie mm-hmm. their knots." No, like, no, no, like grab your, grab, when you go home, right. lady, grab, grab your husband, just give him that right hand and grab his nuts and tell me what he does. Cause he's not going right. to do anything. If, if you want him yeah. to listen, grab him by the nuts. Cause you're yeah. going to stand there and you're not doing anything. Right. So like we, we have people in the summer drive by the house and they'll pull in and they'll be like, Hey, what are mm-hmm. those? They're bucking bowls. You want to, you want to go for a quad ride? Oh, would you? Yeah, get the right. kids in here. We'll go for a tour, and I, and I do it for everybody. I have 
you know, Ted comes over and, and uh, you know what I mean? I have no issue showing anybody what we're doing because I'm, we treat them better than most of these people treat their cats and dogs. 100%. You know what I mean? So, so it's kind of like, I, I love it. I'm like, Hey, you want to come to my house any day, any day, because I'll show everybody anything. Absolutely. I'll, you know, and, and I, I'm, you know, this is an offer to everybody is really, I want, I'm more than happy being the channel of education and accessibility to our sport and to both their animal and human welfare. Right. I mean, um, you see how rodeo rallies around rodeo families when there's an injury. Um, it is incredible. Right. Like, um, and I, I could personally speak to it, you know, with, with my rec, the amount of support I got. Um, and then as well, you know, ro- with, with rodeo folks and how they treat their animals, it is, they are true family members. Um, they're your livelihood. Uh, they are part of what you do and part of your identity. So I am more than happy educating folks on something like that. I gotta, I gotta go back to Dubai a little bit. Sure. You said you're involved in real estate. I'm looking at picture a picture of the palms. Yes. How insane is that? <sighs> Man. So um, making me a bit nostalgic. So here, here's what I uh, like. Um, I think this, this is pretty rodeo of Dubai is um, this does not make sense in any way, shape or form, but we're going to do it because they will come. Right. I mean, think of bull riding where in, you know, at the origins of it, where did this make sense? Right. But, 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 but we did it. Right. Um, and it's become, it's become an incredible part of our sport. Um, so Dubai looks at things and says, and this is quite a, quite a bit of a difference in terms of how we do building permits and so on um, in Canada versus Dubai. But um, they said it doesn't make sense to build an island that looks like a palm in the middle of the desert and have, you know, multi-million dollar real estate on it and then hotels and resorts and clubs in an Atlantis resort. But we will. And then people will talk about it. Um, we, it doesn't make sense to build a ski, ski resort in the middle of the desert but we will, um, right? And, and uh, it, it's kind of that build it and they will come get her done type mentality. That, feel, feel the dreams. Exactly, Dubai. exactly. It's about Dubai. Exactly. And the thing is like, it, it is more, you know, when you talk about architecture, Ted, and getting stuff done, the more outlandish and outrageous it is, the better. Like, you know, it is, it is a construction, an architect and entertainment playground where um it is it, it, the more the more daring it is if it's never been done before we want it right rather than um something where it's like oh uh, you know we we let someone else try it out first or who's going to come to this or or you know oh this will never work out you'll never hear those words um in dubai of like this will never work out uh because it's like you know and, and some some things don't but it's it's a question of like you know what? It's being it's about being gutsy and saying, let's give this a shot. What uh what's the craziest real estate you've seen in when you were there? <sighs> you know, so, so there's some pretty rad things that have been done there, whether commercial or 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 residential. Um, residential. So so when you think of like residential real estate, so they built they they dredged up a group of islands uh in in the sea that looks like a map of the world. And you could then go ahead and buy Australia, 
and build, you know, a home. And, and so if you look up the world islands online yeah, I see them, uh, in Dubai, yeah. And you look in an aerial view, you could then buy one of those islands and then build your home in whichever way you want it to build on. Holy shit. Um, for commercial, for commercial real estate, I would say Dubai truly invented the seven star standard of hotel, um, which I didn't think was, possible until i actually started going to hotels internationally i'm like yeah i haven't seen the standard yet um where it's just a level of opulence and luxury that that they've uh been able to um, there is a restaurant in dubai uh, a seafood restaurant and it's built underwater that you typically take a submarine ride to um and it's built like one of those aquariums where you're sitting in a big glass bubble and um you're there it is just nuts in terms of imagination but that's a great question um i will say like for example personal experience um getting out of your car and it's 45 degrees to 50 degrees in celsius in summer in august and you walk through a tunnel and it's minus five on the other end and you strap on a snowboard and get onto a quad chairlift um for a freestyle night where there's you know playing punk music and there's a live dj and there's boxes and rails and jumps um you know that's that's pretty nuts to start with so badass so uh and and it's it's incredibly refreshing when it's so hot to be like in minus five it is absolutely incredibly refreshing perfect ski oh yes it's you know and it's funny because the first time i actually got onto a real mountain um and uh, I, I said, I'll, I'll try COP first before I actually like hit the bigs, um, like Norquay or, or, or sorry, Sunshine or, or Louise or so on. You're like, well, loading on the quad chairlift is the same thing. Getting off the chairlift is the same thing. You're using the same moves. Like they did a really good job making it feel like a real, ex- like exactly. Um, and w- including an apres ski bar as well. Um, so like, it, it's just... Uh, it, it, it is pretty outlandish to, to be in minus five weather in Dubai. I'll tell you that. So that's just bizarre. I, uh, I just can't believe it right now. What it would be like, or like, so like how expensive is it going to be when we go over there? Like, do I got to save up for three to five years before I can go or what? You know, it's everybody asked me that question. Uh, and it's, it's funny that you do. Um, I would say that uh, it, it, it all depends. So people always ask me, is it expensive to live in Dubai? And I say, it depends. So the thing is, you could go out for lunch and get a Big Mac meal for, I don't know, five or six bucks uh, and have that for lunch and life is good. Or you could have a seven star, $400 person dinner. Um, so it really depends on what kind of experience you want to have. Now, the system and the, the, the infrastructure and the lifestyle encourages you to spend and live well. Um, it, it does. Uh, but, but, I mean, it's not necessarily a... Um, uh, a bad thing again if it's it's one of those things where it, they've just built a, a great industry on tourism and on luxury and so on but no you you know like i was looking you know talking about domestic travel like i was like hey you know it'd be cool to go to the maritimes and i'm like it is cheaper to go to paris yeah. than to go to the maritimes it's cheaper uh, you know it's more expensive to go to grand prairie than it is to go to fucking phoenix exactly exactly right so the thing is i remember looking at packages tourist packages to dubai it was like a week hotel included and flights for like twelve hundred dollars um and, and i'm like twelve hundred dollars wouldn't get me to halifax yeah. so like you know so 
What's the rest of the so country the, like? The UAE. So so it depends. So Abu Dhabi, which is the capital city, yeah. um, is think of it as like the split between New York and DC or Ottawa and Toronto. So one's the entertainment financial capital. The other is, is the political capital. Um, there are a number of smaller emirates that are great to go to. Like um, one of my favorite Fajera is like our beach resort town. It is the, you know, the, the Cancun where you go out and have a staycation um, for the weekend and spend it on the beach. And, and how far and, you know, is that? Get a, like, that like- get away. It's about an hour and a half. Oh, that's I all mean, it is. It's not very far at all. Yeah. No, I mean, it is a small country in terms of footprint. Yeah. Um, so, um, and, and that's the best about it. You could get the crazy kind of wild Dubai experience. You could get all the museums in Abu Dhabi if you wanted more of like the culture fix um, or, or big events. Like Abu Dhabi's got a great Formula One circuit. Um, and a, and a big motorsport circuit that runs there. Uh, Ferrari World is a Ferrari-themed park um, that happens there. Um, or you could go out to Fajera and, you know, and um, spend spend some time on the beach. Huh. Um, I got to ask about the, I don't know all the details. And my, my dad had a story about, about working over there in the oil business in like the 60s. But he told me that he was on the beach or something crazy with his cowboy shit on. Like he has fucking cowboy hat on his boots, walking along the beach or the something crazy like that on his day. As cowboy, as cowboy people right? do. As they do. The cowboys, the only people who go out to the lake for the weekend and wear, wear their jeans, jeans the and their boots. The yeah. So. Who that one, one, t- one time my dad fell asleep on the beach with his, with his Wranglers on shirt. No, no socks. Burnt his feet so bad oh, that he had no. like third degree burns no. and had to wear. Oh yeah, no oh way. yeah, nobody so, woke him up. Suck it, Johnny. Suck it, Johnny. So yeah, my dad's my dad's in Abu Dhabi and he's got his cowboy shit on it. And I think <laughs> like I don't know where he was at. If he was, I gotta. He we recorded the story with him back in I think like October or something. Anyways, but he was walking and he actually like ran into one of the sheikhs over there. And I'm looking at. Khalifa city. And I remember him saying Khalifa, I don't know if it was Sheikh Khalifa or what, I don't know. I don't know all the details. I got to go back and listen, but the, one of the sheikhs found him. And when he had his cowboy shit on and like dad went and like hung out with this guy and it was just totally absurd. It was totally nuts. So, you know, it's, it, I'll tell you this much about the middle East and middle Eastern hospitality. When you talk about Southern hospitality or Western hospitality, they're also very similar, huh. right? Um, you know, so I've done a ton of traveling since I've moved to North America to the Southern US. All my vacations in the last six years have been exclusively for rodeo. Um, and um, just going to um, watch rodeos, whether in Western Canada or across Southern and Western US. And um, Southern hospitality to me was an exotic concept that you saw on TV or in the movies. Um, and it is a real thing. Like when you, when you're in the South and people treat you like family and they invite you into their homes. And I've been to some small towns in the Southern U S and, and just the amount of hospitality and friendliness is amazing. I would say middle Eastern hospitality is pretty similar. Um, you Ooh. will be treated as a member of the family. Um, if anything, it goes the other way around where it's like, uh, you know, <laughs> you, you must feel like a member of the family. Oh, really? Like it's, it's, they go out, they go out of their way to make sure that, you know, you feel at home and you're fed and looked after um, and, and you'll make friends for life. Really? So I'd say it's a very, um, yeah, the hospitality level there is, is um, so yeah, from a social standpoint, it is a very welcoming community and it's very social. Oh, wow. 
um, this very tolerant, very tolerant too, I would say. Again, contrary to, you know, what the media would tell you about, um, you know, I've, I've gotten a, a thousand questions moving here about like things like, oh, can women drive and, and all? Yes, of course they can. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, and that sort of stuff. So it's, 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 you know, what's life like there? Is it pretty restrictive? Um, it's not, it's, it's, it's a very the, open and tolerant. The UAE area. is yeah. very progressive in that area too. Correct. Correct. So yeah, there are some neighboring regions that might not be, yeah. but the UAE is pretty, pretty progressive. Like it's also... Sorry, go ahead. Well, no, I'm please. Say, like you grew up speaking English, like you, your English is your first language. It is. Um, so I, I do speak Arabic as well. Um, but I went to an American school in Dubai and an American university in Dubai, um, actually set up by Texas A&M. So um, uh, it, it, it culturally, I would say it's a really nice balance of Middle Eastern and Western, wow. right? Where if, if you sit either side, you, you could you could pick up a little bit of, of both wow. or, or either, wow. right? And um, even from a retail standpoint, so I have friends from Saskatchewan that just moved to Abu Dhabi. And the first thing they did after the after airport was they went to a Tim's. Ah in Abu right. Dhabi and, and, uh, and, and they're like, okay, we have landed, we have oh, arrived. Right. right. So there, there's a Tim's on probably every corner in Dubai oh, and Abu right. Dhabi right now. So, well, yeah. That's such a weird thing. I hate. <laughs> uh, great. Great. No, that's a great question. Um, so when I, when I, when you think of, um, and I, I only realized this when I went there this, uh, this last year was the first time I went, um, when you think of architecture and construction and norms, think New Mexico and Arizona. Uh, so uh, the buildings are built to keep the heat out and the insulation in, so tile, and, and there's no snow on the ground or muck because it's super dry. So yes, you can wear your shoes in, indoors 100%. Most of the flooring, whereas here we have wood and carpet is tile because it's cool. Um, there or ceramic or marble or so on. So, you know, the closest I would say in terms of desert architecture um, and what a home would look like, think Arizona and New Mexico, especially Southern Arizona and New Mexico. And I would say it's where in the US, right? So like if you got somebody from Montana visiting, they likely won't do it, um, right? But if you've got someone from Arizona or New Mexico where it's desert and dry, um, you know, so, so it, it, yeah, I mean, I would say in terms of topography, like I, I went to New Mexico for the first time last year and Arizona this year um, for the Tucson Rodeo, which I think is the coolest name for a rodeo ever, uh, La Fiesta de los Vaqueros. Very cool. Um, and, and, uh, and um the Canadians cleaned up on that one, by the way, uh, all the Arizona Canadians, uh, I would say. Um, but, but, um, um, it, it is, it is, um, yes. So that's a great question. So please ask me all these weird questions you always wanted to know, but, but didn't want to ask. So I love that. I absolutely love that. I wanted yeah. to ask about, like you mentioned how you've made like all your vacations in the last however many years for rodeos down south. Mm. Like what are some of your favorite spots you've been to and what kind of can you compare to like what energy offers for their rodeo? Great, great question. Um, so uh, Wyoming holds a special place in my heart. So I've been there twice now, uh, Cheyenne and Laramie. Um, and what I love about Wyoming is how they've put their foot down and said, we are unapologetically cowboy. Um, that, is, that, is, that is who we are. Uh, and, I, and I love that. And I wish we saw a little bit more about that in, in Calgary, but we can talk about that later. <laughs> That'll be um, our next point. But 
uh, there. Um, but, but I mean, the thing is Wyoming, I, I have a lot of love for, um, I did a, a bison push in Wyoming, a bison drive. And that was, um, just absolutely incredible. Uh, the Tucson rodeo that I went to this year was, 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 uh, brilliant. Um, and I've been to a couple of smaller Texas rodeos. I'd say if you've ever been to the Fort Worth rodeo too, that's, that's a ton of fun. I did that earlier this year too. And then, uh, of the Southern states to the, the, the I'd say New Mexico and Arizona hold, hold a special place in my heart just because they're desert. Like so it feels like, you know, it feels like your home. Um, and then just for straight up, you know, either I would say heritage or entertainment, um, Tennessee. So Tennessee is not so much a rodeo state, but a, but a country music state. Um, and then Kentucky for, for bourbon, for, for bourbon and, and horses, I'd say was, and chicken and waffles. I'm a huge chicken and waffles fan. So, um, was, was a ton of fun. Um, uh, Colorado was, was a great experience the stock show in Colorado and very similar as well. Cause it's a cold weather rodeo. Um, I, so I, I've, I've been trying to get the majors in, um, uh, you know, the big five, if you will, uh, Houston rodeo was an interesting experience. Um, now when you talk about an extended production, that is an expense, like really extended <laughs> production because it is yeah. such a big footprint that, you know, every time there's a buck off, it takes a minute to, to get the next shoot ready. Um, but, um, you know, I'd, I'd also like love taking in more small town rodeos. And I think there's a charm to both. There's a charm to going to Cheyenne uh, on my list that I'd love to get to is Pendleton as well. So that's... Uh, that's... I, I think like the... the... The, the nice thing about like smaller rodeos like even mm-hmm. for energy for instance is like it's so much more intimate like, oh as a for a fan experience like you're right there 100 like i went to, i went to college in texas mm-hmm. right around fort worth so like all the small rodeos we go to there like the fans mm-hmm. are, you're right up close to the action like it's i think it just creates a whole different environment than them big rodeos uh, absolutely and i mean the thing about alberta rodeos is, is they're great the the atmosphere is amazing whether you go to a bigger one like pinoca or um, you go to some of the smaller ones or some of the FCA rodeos or so on. And it, it is, it is a really good time. Um, you know, the community there. Um, so, 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 so yeah, I, I'd say, you know, um, whether in, you know, in Canada or the U S and I think a lot of people, including many folks that live in Calgary, don't know that there's a big rodeo circuit in Alberta. Um, so like, that's part of the, one of the things I've done is I've taken perhaps a lot of people that have seen the stampede before, but I've never seen a small town Alberta rodeo to an Alberta rodeo. Uh, and they're like, Oh, we didn't even know this existed. And this is a lot of fun because you're so close to the action and it's pretty accessible, right? Tickets are 20 bucks and um, it's easy to get in. It's, it's not far from the city. either, Right. No, no. Like you could get to 10 rodeos within an hour from Calgary. Right. So um, it is. Um, yeah. So, so, I mean, and, and I want to continue to do that. I think like from, uh, from, one, I want to continue to educate myself on the sport and the, and the heritage in the community. Um, and, and also for, ent- I, I don't see any reason why any vacation I ever take wouldn't be Western themed ever. Like it's just, uh, it's, it's, um, it's, it's the way I, I would want to do it now. Have you got to go outside of Alberta, like to BC, Saskatchewan, maybe even Ontario for some rodeo stuff? Absolutely. So, so not so much for so Saskatchewan. I went to earlier this year to buy a colt. So, uh, you know, talk about uh, you know a stupid beginner who then says, you know, I, I'm not just going to buy broke horse, but I'm going to buy a six month old colt. But the papers on that colt was 
incredible. So I made a trip out of it with a couple of friends and we went to a small town in Saskatchewan and bought seven Colts between, Where? between the three of us. Where? Um, it's about an hour east of Bigger. Um, and um, the butthole, <laughs> you know, it, it, it was, it was, it was I, I love Saskatchewan. I have a lot of love for Sask. I'm from, I'm from Saskatchewan. Right. So. I, I mean, yeah. Kindersley, you got to drop in. It's like the, the bull riding capital of Canada. Like, you know, like, you know, Dakota butter. And, it's, and, it's so desolate uh, there though. Like aside from Kindersley, like you go Southeast or Southwest right. of Kindersley. It's nothing. Uh, you know, I, 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 uh, right. I, I have a lot of, right. <laughs> yeah. You know, everybody harps on Sask. I love Sask. I, I, I have a lot of love for the prairies. Um, Go riders, baby. Uh, and and I think uh, also because you know I'm I'm a desert kid, so I I like open flat spaces. Uh, and um, so I went to Sask earlier this year and and got a colt that I'm hoping is going to be a replacement rope horse in a couple of years. Um, but just the papers on that horse uh, look really really promising. Um, and then within BC, I've been before. Um, I think BC had a time where and this is going to get touchy and, do it. and perhaps do piss it. off a few piss off a few do it do piss, it do it do piss, it do piss it, do off it. a few viewers but i think bc was ranchy at a point of time and was rodeo um and has gone full apologist on the rodeo community uh like there's i, I don't know I, yes i know that there's still some pro stops left uh on the rodeo circuit like you think armstrong and williams lake and and so on but um but i think that's fading sadly um, there's a lot of there is a lot of agriculture in BC, but oh, like for what sure. you're saying on the on the Cloverdale's where the you know the city banned the time Cloverdale to Luxton. And, mm-hmm. yeah, Luxton on the island. Like, I, I let's let's get into that talk a little bit. How you're saying unapologetically, like let's talk um, Stampede changing the truck wagons to three wagons instead of four and less <sighs> trip, or less uh, less outriders over the last few years. And what do you <laughs> think there? Like, I, I think they're almost gonna go away with it soon if we're not careful. I, I'm. I hate to say it, but I'm scared. You, I, I, you see, um, I'm pissed off and, and, and scared too. Um, so the Stampede literally was my first rodeo. And the reason why I uprooted my life and, and moved here and got into the lifestyle I'm in today. And just over the last few years, I've been looking at the rodeo and, and you've, you've touched upon a nerve here is we're, we're almost apologetic about our Western heritage now. Um, and, and not us, like not, not us guys talking, but more so as a city and politically and, and in terms of public planning and so on, I look at it and I say, we're trying to make the stampede, this multicultural music and entertainment and food truck destination, but not a rodeo. So many people um, I talk to in Calgary, like they just don't even go to the rodeo at Stampede. They just go for the midway. hundred percent. And, and the number of tweets I read this year about, yay, so many horses aren't going to die because the Stampede have been canceled. I'm like, actually. More, gonna, more are going to die. Uh, you know, because the income that the stock contractors and chuck guys are going to lose this year means the horses that don't make the cut aren't going to make the cut. Um, and that pisses me off. And it pisses me off that, ranchman's is closed and it pisses me off that in cowboy canada we don't have um we we haven't put our foot down and said we are unapologetically cowboy and if you don't like it don't buy a ticket and that's okay right um is don't buy a ticket to the chucks but i i look at not just the rule format to change ted around the chucks but the fact that they've told drivers 
we don't have a tarp auction anymore and go find your own sponsors. Um, I, I don't know what signal that gives, right? I think um, some of that, I think some of that is that they already were doing it themselves anyways, and right. they would buy it themselves in the auction. And I, I don't know all the particulars and mm-hmm. um, I don't know what I can say on that either. I don't think I want to get into that, but mm. a lot, like, like a guy like Mark Sutherland has his pace kids foundation and the right. pace kids foundation has the poker tournament. Yeah. Not if there's another wreck. Buys his wagon. They they buy Good. the wagon or the or the friends of Kelly Sutherland or you know Jason Good. Glass like those guys have their year long sponsor but, Kelly but, Sutherland like have their year long sponsors so they want to keep that throughout the season but so maybe it was just too much of a hassle and too much messing around maybe they just say you know what you guys have your own sponsors go ahead so I I don't want to get into that on that side of it right and you know I work at the Stampede at the Chuck Wagon races I right I'm, I was the first I think I was one of the first guys to be a music director for the Chuck Wagon races like I, I've had to, I have had to figure out how to add music into the chuck wagon races over the last five or six years it's been a interesting Which, challenge to uh, and you guys let me know too because you you guys grew up here so i i look at it from someone that's been here seven years i would say whatever cowboy heritage we have is at least in the city is deteriorating and deteriorating fast um and not just deteriorating but i think we've gone out of our way to make sure that we erase it like make sure that we Kind of wash it out now alberta not so much but calgary yes um and and that thanks a lot makes me sad. yeah yeah exactly um uh, you know and i was trying not to go there but i think you know here's the but thing I did. here's the but thing it, though. going back to him yeah sorry going back to him he had that speech this year with when uh when another guest of the show felipe Massetti, mm. t- turned up after the thing and he does his regular old fucking speech he's done a thousand times after this guy rode his horses from Alaska to the tip of the South America. And he's just like, yeah, yeehaw, fucking right on. Like had nothing to say about how this guy is one of three people ever in the world to ever fucking do this. Uh, no, it's totally. I don't, I don't think guy. so. He get the point. Uh, I, I think, I think Nancy's a, he's a chameleon. And like I said, it's uh, Calgary. Uh, Calgary. Nancy probably like thinks if you're a cowboy living in Calgary, like you two right here, you know what I mean? It, it isn't. You you don't. You it's not. It, it, Cal Cal Calgary's a hipster zone, and and Nashi's got to fucking please those guys. Racy's a hipster now. He's converted. Well, the, the thing is, I'll still come doctor your cows for you though, bitch. <laughs> he lives on Seventeenth Ave. See, the difference is, guys. What I look at is, I say, no, it's, it's, there's <laughs> there there's nothing wrong with cowboy having hipster restaurants or a hipster scene or so on. But there, I think there is a problem of erasing its cowboy history. Right. And I, and I think that's where the problem is, is you could, you could. So I was walking, I was talking to a couple of Canadians and we were walking around the stockyards just a couple of days ago. And I said, there's no reason why Calgary couldn't have this. Uh, there is no reason why Calgary couldn't have an area or a district that is unapologetically Western and brings our heritage together um, and has country music and, and that level of, we are cowboy. And mind you, Fort Worth has some pretty cow, some hipster areas too. And wait, see, you've lived there, but like they, they've, they've, they've got the hipster areas, but they've also said we are cowboy. Oh, right. They embrace, they embrace their, their, the, the roots. I think, I think, cow, I think that's kind of the thing with the stampede is mm. they've stopped embracing their roots of it. Like it's, it's become more so, uh turning into like a exactly like a, 
exhibition it, more so than like we're driving on our roots of what the stampede came from. And that goes back to what I said before about how I have friends who don't need, like, mm-hmm. I've met who've never even been to the rodeo, but they've been on. on Absolutely. So, I mean, Ted, maybe we'll, we'll kind of one of those yeah. things that doesn't age well, but in 10 years, we might look back at this episode and say, um, you know, exactly. Hopefully we were, uh, hopefully we were wrong, but, uh, but I mean, you know, in 10 years, mm-hmm. will the Calgary stampede die? No. Um, Hopefully, no, not. absolutely if not. We don't have one this year. No. It could be in no, bad shape. You know, you know, will it die? No. I, but will it become potentially a fair with rides and concerts and food trucks Possibly. and um, a huge festival that brings the city together, but not a single head of livestock on the grounds? Maybe. Hopefully not. You know? Hopefully not. Maybe. Now, and, and, and hopefully not. But, but is it heading that way? You know, could be. Hopefully, so, hopefully not. not. So the rodeo was right. one of the first pieces, and it's still the premier event. So, so I hope so, that that's so, not. So the because case. the stampede will always be a rodeo for me, but I think when you look at the Nenshi agenda, uh, and 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 yeah. you know, I, I think of again all the guys that run the stampede operations, the actual rodeo operations, and those guys are country through and through, mm-hmm. um, and rodeo through and through. Um, the question is, it's the commercial, it, media, political side of the stampede um, that are, are we moving away from the rodeo or not? And that's and that's the big question. They're also running like, you know what I mean? When, when we talk about the Calgary stampede, we're not talking about Lee Park rodeo. We're not t- talking about beachy rodeo. We're not. Mm. You know what I mean? This is a mall. <laughs> this is a this, this is a hundred million dollar <laughs> company that you know, they need that money to come in to survive. So, you know what I mean? When, when Calgary did the chuck wagon thing, yeah, they were appeasing the, the animal rights people, but you know what I mean? The way they did the sponsorship and all that stuff, they're looking out for the company be, oh, yeah. that runs the Calgary. 100%. Mm-hmm. Their hands are, their yeah. hands are tied yeah. so much though. Like, you know, like for the companies that like put like sponsor the events and stuff, like if, if they start getting media flack, like that's going to drive sponsorship dollars back. So you kind of got to, you got to, you got to so find so that I, balance. I've got of, a, like, like a controversial yeah. thought here. Um, and, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on it is, uh, you know, will the rodeo get canceled outright? No. Will it get cherry picked though? Will calf roping go off the table, right? One year. Um, and it's like, We've, right. we've had well, it's, we've had this kind of conversation right. before with when we had Keenan yeah. on about could we, could it be something that ends up getting phased out? But I, if anything were to get mm-hmm. removed, I'd say that but would I, be. But we might replace it with breakaway, breakaway roping or team roping or whatever. Yeah, that's what I think. You know, I don't know. I don't know how we unapologetically have calf roping still. I, I hate to be the guy to say it, but like I just don't know how to defend it. Uh, right. I mean, and and to t- your point, you know, I, I think it's it's as a sport. It's going to take a lot as of a, us. And, and as a heritage piece, maybe, but as a sport, it's more difficult. Think, yeah. Well, that comes. I think that comes down to the point of like spreading information and educating yeah. people on it, like to like like the why. Like for me, whenever I'm learning something, if I understand why I have to do it a certain way or why it's done a certain way, I understand mm-hmm. it way more fully. And I think there's a big there's a big gap between that and mm-hmm. conventional fans, people who don't really know much about road users. Yep. Like they don't know why we do it. They just think yeah. But what what, what Teddy what Teddy's kind of saying is. And, and I, I agree with Ted. I, I get the whole concept mm-hmm. of calf mm-hmm. roping. I totally, I get it. You know you what know, I mean? You know, you, know you know the why. We know the why. But, but what, like what Teddy's mm-hmm. saying is. Yeah, how do we, how do we defend that? Like, you know just, what I mean? I don't and, know how to defend it. And, 
no, it's tough. It's like, tough. At, at the end of the day, they're roping Essentially, babies. yeah. You know what I mean? Essentially, they're roping babies and tying them for, for what? It doesn't. For it doesn't. It doesn't like. Doesn't look good. Like it's not like a, a flat. Yeah. Like one of those things where, like riding a bull, mm-hmm. it looks good, and it's easy for people to be like, "That's cool." Whereas, like when it comes to calf roping, like it's so many things happening, so many moving parts, yeah. and people are like, yeah. "Why are we even doing this?" But but that it goes back to that you know people riding mm-hmm. bulls. There's a chance the person's going to get hurt, so that people cancel out the animal a little bit thing more, yeah. with the person that- getting hurt, where. Where with calf roping, you know what I mean? It's a baby. They're chasing it. They I, rope I it. Just, they tie it. You know, Whoop. like I, it's definitely hard to defend for sure. Like I want like, to be clear yeah. though that like in in Alberta, if you look outside of Calgary, the Western heritage and community is thriving and well and and alive. Deep, and deep. not just that, I think the younger generation has also taken to it and built incredible social media knowledge and presence around it. And I think of the CPRA circuit in in Alberta and it is world-class, like absolutely world-class in terms of, of um, what it looks like in stock and, and all that. And evident by the amount of US competitors that come up during a normal non-COVID season to compete in the Canadian circuit. Um, I'm just, I'm, I'm talking more specifically worried about Calgary and more specifically about the Calgary Stampede. Um, and, and and not because it's it's it, it is an incredible rodeo and it will always be in my heart because it is the reason why I am here. Um, it's just I, I worry about its future and I'm concerned. And I think outlets like this and and education outlets around the rodeo um, and educating people and fans and so on uh, and opening because if you look into the stands of the Calgary Stampede Rodeo, it is the most diverse rodeo audience you will see. Right. And, and I, I, and I think we need more of that. Right. And, and more. One thing I want to, I want to hear so we can have it recorded for, for Sean to clip out is I want to know how to say cowboy shit in Arabic. I think that's something we need to have on the, on the uh, oh, yeah. record. Oh my God. That's like that meme that was going yeah, around. So cowboy shit. And probably for the first time on your show, um, Rai Bakar is is literally the translation of caretaker of cows, uh, which would be you know when you whenever you whenever you're watching a um, uh, a western and, and you're reading the Arabic subtitles, it'll say Rai Bakar, which means you know Rai means caretaker and Bakar means cow. Um, so uh, Ra- can you so, say that so one more time? Rai, yeah, Rai, Rai? Bakar, Rai. Right? Bucker, yeah, bucker, like just like a bucker, basically. Yeah, exactly, exactly. There like you go, rye, like a rye whiskey bucker, rye bucker, rye bucker. exactly. There you go. That's, okay. that's yeah, that's it. Right. Take of cows. Okay, that'd be that'd be a, that's a yeah. sweet name for like so, a cocktail. You can make that the air drink. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Okay. You know, you know. But what? Now what? Is, now what is shit convert to? Is it like rye so, bucker? Then the yeah. So shit. The actual. Arabic word to it, and the the like colloquial uh, word would be khara, uh, or or if you were to pronounce it, we'd say kara. Uh, about so um, so huh, cowboy shit. So, uh, so that would be some rye buck or kara. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that could work. Yeah. So um, that's what it is. Yeah, exactly. That's that. You are <laughs> spot on, sir. So, so think of like the J in Spanish, uh, like you, how you say Juan. So yeah, mm-hmm. Rai Bakar Hara. Yeah, Juan? 
Right. Rybucker. Yeah, there you go. Damn. That is actually, Man, I have it, never said that out loud, but that is actually spot on. That is perfectly bang on. Oh, that's neat. In my, in my head, I was like, when, when, when we brought this conversation up, I was thinking like it was going to sound so much different than what it is. My mind's kind of blown. Like I was like, you know, I, I don't listen to people right. speak Arabic that often. Right. So I, in my head, I was like something that I could you know, pronounce. It's, it's but funny. Like, so I, I, I volunteer like at, at Open Farm Days um, in Alberta, which is where a bunch of local farms and ranches. And I volunteer at a ranch and I do some roping demos um, and so on. And it's funny because um, these families would show up and they'd be like, um, hey, uh, you know, the kids would be like, I do these roping demos and I do them on the ground with some dummies. And these kids were like, hey, dad, could you show me how to rope? Uh, and then they're like, no, no, ask him. And I'd be standing there and they're like, he's a real cowboy. And I'd be like, D. <laughs> if they only knew. And then there was a family that came up that were speaking Arabic. Um, and then the dad was like, oh, look at these city kids. They're afraid of the cows and chickens. And then I, I replied back in Arabic and he was just absolutely floored. Uh, like, because I was, again, you know, I was wearing my hat, shirt, buckle, the whole deal. And then he's like, wait, you're an Arab? And I'm like, uh, uh, and he, right. So, um, That's so cool. you know, the more I could do to introduce people to this lifestyle and, and, and sport, I, I just, I love it. So. Well, and then, and then what if that, what if that guy was chirping you? Look at this one of so cowboy I, kids. Look I, I had that experience actually at a, at a cabaret, uh, in, in a small town rodeo in Alberta, um, where there was a guy who had one too many, who I could tell was Arab, was speaking Arabic to his friends and uh, started harping on the ticket sales people because I think they called last call or so on. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be good. <laughs> because uh, oh, no. Yeah, I'm, oh, no. I'm like, because he stood <laughs> and argued with a couple of people in cowboy hats and boots. I'm like, this is not, and he was in a man bun and skinny jeans and, and all that. I'm like, this is not going to end well for you, son. Um, so I pulled him aside and <laughs> said a few things. I uh, don't tell my mother. I did say, but um, uh, he he walked away then. Uh, in English or Arabic? oh, in Arabic, 100. Yeah, yeah, you um, told him. Yeah, yeah, oh, wow. yeah. I told him. Yeah. So <laughs> then he that's, went home. That's that's one thing. That's it, one uh, Western thing that uh, people from mm -hmm. outside the Western lifestyle learn when you go to a cabaret, yeah. boy. You might see some, fish uh, yeah. you know, and, and don't get me wrong. Like I love country music and I love visiting and 99.9% .9 of the time cabarets are a ton fun time to visit and socialize and dance and, and two-step and, and stuff. And I love that. So, um, so it's, it's a good time, but again, there's, there's protocol to it. So it was part of the education, I would say, uh, that I did non-official education. So that I did. <laughs> Um, this kind of segues nicely to uh, how you started Bottomham Ranch Services. Why don't you get into that a bit and how that came Thank about? Thank you. So um, one of the things that I found, a couple of things. One is, is the accessibility. And we talked about this earlier during a chat is the accessibility into our sport and into our lifestyle are, are tough. And then the other thing is I look at Alberta right now and the ranching industry 
from a commercial standpoint, struggling. Like they've had a, a tough year, um, tough regulations um, just announced in Canada. And I'm happy getting political about this, that farms are no longer exempt on a number of the carbon tax initiatives. And that went up again. Um, so farms are struggling to hire folks. And um, uh, one of the things I found is, is there isn't a, a marketplace where you could get farm labor in Alberta on a temporary basis that is insured um, and vetted. So I started Bottom Hand Ranch Services as, as really a, um, a marketplace, really think of it as the Uber of, of ranch hands. Um, and you need a ranch hand for four hours or four days. Um, I've got now a roster of about 95 ranch hands in Alberta alone that are vetted and insured um, and that where ranchers need people to do preg checks or calves or come pull shoots or just grunt work. Uh, it doesn't matter. I will find you the person that uh, has got that experience, does come with horses if you need them or not. Um, and the- hey, Tarek, you got you to gotta get Wacy signed up. Yeah. You need some work in about a week. <laughs> I would, I, would, I would be the top man. There you go. There you go. And the name Bottom Hand started as a joke because I would show up to these brandings and, and I would say, listen, you guys treat me as the bottom hand. And they're like, there's no such thing. And I'm like, there is such a thing. Like, right here. I'm um, the guy. Uh, I'm, I'm that guy. Um, so, um, and you know, an old wise rancher told me once shut up and listen and i was like done you know that's what i'm gonna do so uh so it started as a joke and i and but but then i said you know there is and shockingly i started talking to ranchers about this idea of saying well i'll basically do your hiring for you um and become a pool of labor resources for you that you could call as and when you need it and the response from the community has just been amazing um whether both from the ranch hand standpoint uh, and Wacy, i would absolutely love to have you on the roster um uh, you know um and you have bull experience too so it's perfect uh you know and Wait, foley has experience jerking off bulls. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah i jerk them off i have i've had to hold the probe for their jerking right. bulls off or ranchers uh, and, and you know what that's pretty valid because actually a couple of vets uh, cowboy vets have now actually we've made their life easier because we'll send a crew that they can focus on actually doing the vet stuff and we could take care of everything else um so we we've done that and, and a couple of vets have told us heck you know we want our ranchers to hire you guys because we we take care of making sure you know all the needles are full all the coolers are full the gates are looked after and then the vet could just be working as a vet um huh. so um i need a gate guy uh, i just need a guy there you go and gate. that's and that's exactly what it is 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 and that's the scariest uh, and i've been yelled at by my dad by so many times around uh, the gate and, and whether you need one or six it doesn't matter um, but, uh, but, uh, and, and that's the other thing. So I, and, and it, I mean, what I learned is ranchers hate hiring. They hate interviewing and, and, um, going yeah, out. It's so, it's so hard to find good help. Right. Like my, like my dad's been in the ranching and, and feedlot industry his whole life and managed so many different places. And that's the biggest problem he had is finding quality. So, so I take that frustration out. And then we've actually like, it yeah. started off as a temporary staffing agency, but we've actually been approached by a lot of ranches and, and feedlots that say, Hey, we actually want you to do our full-time hiring uh, for us. Uh, almost like a recruiting agency and say, um, cause you know, you go out and find us qualified help. Uh, and, and I've put a guarantee on that too, that if that help leaves or doesn't work out, I replace them on my cost. 
Um, but the other thing as well is I make sure that they have WCB coverage and they're insured um, and all that. So, which is huge for like some like medium to small size ranches because it's they can't. No, get and, the, and the other thing is like yeah. if someone gets hurt on a ranch or so on, it, it, from a liability standpoint, uh, you know, I, I, it becomes. I, there's an earlier episode I can't remember which one you guys were talking about right, driving combines and. Um, uh, hey, there you go. Right. So, so, you know, my insurance policy covers ranch hands or farm hands uh, in that standpoint. So if they wreck a 700,000, there you go. Combine. Right. So what about, what about hurt feelings? Uh, <laughs> because and, 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 That's and, not covered. And, by no, CB. no. Yeah. Cause when like anybody, like I, I couldn't imagine, like I know how my family is when we were cattle, mm. whether it's commercial cattle or rodeo ca- cattle. Um, I find that it's a lot easier for just me and my dad mm. to work together because my dad can do something and I could be like, fuck right. you, John. And he'll fuck, fuck you. And then we're back to being good. The the biggest thing Where, with that kind of stuff, it has to stay in the moment. Like if you're a person who like holds grudges or like yeah. takes stuff personally, oh. you can't take it. I, I've worked for so many guys and especially my dad, like he's yelled at me so many times, but it's just in that moment. He never like holds it past. Yeah. So Ashley, my, my business. Yeah, like, what, the, what the fuck yeah. are you doing? Oh, so, man. I, uh, Ashley, my business partner who's been running operations for bottom hand, she will pre-qualify the ranchers and the ranch hands. So like just, you know, before every job, we do an interview for both and say, well, what are you looking for in terms of, you know what's going to happen on the day um so we make sure that we qualify that and we also do that with the with the ranch hand now what we do is off that you know the nuances of of style as well come and pick up is it really formal is it really informal is it a bit more you know um uh, uh, let's call it linguistically open uh in terms of in terms of how it works and and we make sure that you know we equip both sides with what's going to happen on the day so so far it's worked out really well um is there like a rating system? Like, so after oh, 100%. Like, the ranch is done, do you like, do you like just like Uber, you rate the driver and you rate yeah. the hands, right? So like, you know, at the, at the end of an Uber ride, you rate the driver. So we do exactly the same thing. We, you rate the hand That's cool. uh, and you also rate the employer, right? And it's not, isn't just about like, you know, the style of that employer, but do they have safe working equipment and uh, you know, did was the job as per expectations and so on so that could get sketchy at some point oh, uh, you know so <laughs> so uh, yeah. uh, so so the thing is you know again we're, we're building a really it's it's a made in alberta business um uh, that's starting but one of the other exciting so when i registered bottom hand i registered three companies and the next one um this one that we talked about i haven't launched this one yet but bottom hand rodeo company um is going to be for those number ones and number twos uh is i'm hoping to start um a production and clinic brokerage company if you will where it puts on uh clinics and and practice nights for the beginners that don't know how to do it and want a safe and inclusive environment to, to be able to come and do it. Um, that's so that's, that's kind of coming down the line. Uh, and what I'm hoping to be able to launch post COVID, right. When you can have groups again together and it doesn't compete with, um, you know, CPRA or even the FCA where those are folks that are very serious about the sport. This, these are people that want to try it out. And hopefully one day I could say that someone that went through bottom hand rodeo company, is in the CFR one day, right? Like, you know, started off there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there is no start off league or, or, or event. No, that's great. That's great. Thank you. Yeah. That like really like reduces the barriers to entry. Uh, exa- 
for and, a long and, and like right? I want it to be an aggregator where you bring clinicians, you bring the horse traders and consigners, uh, you bring a stock contractor that has slow running steer or um, easier stock to, to work with, um, the food trucks, so on, and just really aggregate all that together into, into a, 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 an entry level production company. And it's a good way to give people a taste of oh, like 100%. Before you even have to enter, like shore up the money for a membership. To the exactly. And whatever. here's the thing you're not going to join the bottom hand rodeo company to, to make money. Like, this isn't where, mm-hmm. you know, you're making a living off rodeo. This is you, to your point, experiencing what it's like to compete, experiencing what it's like to uh, be in that environment, and then hopefully move on to the next leagues. Like, I'm, I'm not looking at competing with any of the other leagues. Yeah, and, and not too many people make money right. rodeo. Let's <laughs> right. Just make that, let's, let's I don't make know. That I, I, I wouldn't know, so so Ted might. Like, you know, you guys might, but I, I was yeah. I was gonna say I was gonna say you should hold on to your loan team roping number for as long as you can because you can be a two <laughs> yeah. two header and rope with a six healer and get some cash freaking jackpots. Oh, yeah. There. Yeah. There. Wait, so I'll leave it to you. We, uh, I think we better wrap it up here. Got a one more yeah, question. So, yeah, so uh, yes, yeah, yeah, kind of a good way to cap it off. What is your definition of cowboy shit? Oh man, uh, I'll, I'll... you got, you didn't say it the right way, waste. So you got to say it. Oh yes, yeah, exactly. Was... <laughs> so, right, I forget. It's Rye Rybucker. I forget. Rybucker. Rybucker. Kara. Yeah. Rybucker. 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 There you go. Exactly. What is your definition of Rybucker? That, <laughs> that is that is brilliant. <laughs> um, you know, um, it's 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 similar to what I talked about with the values of rodeo. It's it's perseverance. It's grit. It's getting bucked off and getting back on again. Um, it's respect. It's community. It's respecting each other, land. Um, it's inclusion. It's the one sport where you hear this over and over again. You help competitors succeed. Um, and I love that. I absolutely freaking love that. Um, it, it is Cowboy Hara is my my community now like it's my uh it's my yeah. it's my family and and i wouldn't change it for the world um i wouldn't change this lifestyle for 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 all the money in the world um and it, it that's what it is to me is, is perseverance and grit um and sometimes getting in trouble and sometimes being in the er and and so be it right that's that's the way it works what when are we gonna have a, a party in your basement in your oh. that for cowboy shit? I forgot about that DJ. I want to learn some of that shit. That'd you've, be awesome. You've heard. I love. I love. I love. Music. You've heard about the Purple Palace, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> as, um, as it's affectionately known. So, yeah, I, I grew up with music in my life, and and I DJ and play the drums. And when I first moved here, I realized that you know there's not a lot of nightlife options. So I figured, where can I go out without going out? So I I built uh, Cowboys Casino, uh, man. Just... There, yeah. Club there. Casino, so I built cool. I built a, a club in my basement of sorts, and uh, yes, I, once once we're off all these lockdowns and stuff, Ted, I will host one, and you're we'll make it a cowboy shit themed party, party. party? Uh, a rye bucker, yeah. a, a rye bucker hara party. What's as the, long as you promise, yeah. as long as you promise to do that that mix of neon moon that that one mean was going around, the guy who was mixing it, 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 yeah. it was like uh, I'll find the video and send it to you. It's fucking awesome though. Fun. I love that shit done awesome. that is a that is an unreal uh, mix. 
Thanks for uh, thanks for doing the show. With oh us my god, today. what an honor! Thank you for awesome. having me. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it might be it might be our longest show ever. Bro. Really? <laughs> okay, we got some good shit. It's yeah. not good valuable uh, content. Good though. We're just talking about nonsense. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'll take it. Awesome. I'll take it. Especially a new a new point of view. It's it's outstanding. For I'll us. take it. Thank you so yeah. much for having me, you guys. Like this is I've yeah. I've been like doing cartwheels since since you guys said you'll have me on the show. I'll send, uh, you, I'll send uh, you a message about the bottom hand ranch. I might have to done. Done. I I got you. Top hand, awesome. top hand hey, on the bottom hand. Sounds yeah. like five star rating, baby. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thanks, Tarek. Thanks for doing this. We appreciate Thank it. You, Thank you, gentlemen. This is again Cowboy Shit episode eighty with uh, with I'm I'm Ted. He's Wacy. We got Mr. James Foley and Tarek El Naga, our guest today. Thanks for uh, thanks for being here. Thank you, sir. Cheers. Find yourself a man who's strong and tall and Christian. Push it past the limit, tripping on a hallucinogenic. My cigarette burned my finger, cause I forgot I lit it. Drunken in Seattle, two balls hands without a paddle. Thanks again to Tarek Elnaga for being on the show this week. Episode 80, it's Cowboy Shit. I'm Ted. He's Wasted. We've got our guest, special guest host, co- best guest co-host. I keep, get, I keep getting that messed up. Special Anyways. guest special guest host. That's the easiest way to say special it. Special guest. Call, call me what you want. Just don't call me late for dinner. Or, or call you the bull J.O. guy. It's James Foley. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. The J.O. guy. Oh, yeah. J.F. the J.O. guy. Anyways. <laughs> we're talking It's Christmas almost Christmas. Stuff. Yeah, it's Wasey's birthday. We got that that we got that out of the way off the top of the show. I mean, we, we could have happy like, birthday. What, uh, what else? Getting it out of the getting it out of the way is a little bit harsh way to put it. <laughs> I would like some more attention <laughs> on my birthday, but that's fine. What do you uh, having a having a December birthday sucks? Oh man, you drew pretty oh, short straw on the December birthday. Fuck. Yeah, like happy 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 birthday, Merry Christmas, Happy gifts. birthday, Christmas. Yeah, yeah. counts for your birthday best. and Christmas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like met. Yeah. So I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> Well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I offended you, Wacy. Hope fine. that we it's can fine. still be friends. <laughs> it's fine. Anyways, Wacy, you had a couple of topics you wanted to get to. Yeah, so it, it kind of ties in nicely with the whole birthday Christmas gift thing. I wanted to know your guys' best gift and worst gift you've ever received. And like, I'll start off with my worst gift. And I just want to preface this: like, it wasn't a bad gift, but it turned out just being like just not a good gift. Cause so what, at one year I was like hell bent on like getting an electric guitar for Christmas. Like, you know what? I'm going to be Angus. Young. I'm going to be, sh- I'm going to be shredding this thing. So my mom and dad, like, mine. so my mom and dad, like as they, as they do, they go all out for Christmas. Cause they just, they like giving their, like they, they want their kids to be happy, whatever. They buy me this like really nice large guitar and an amp, like an Epiphone, like a really nice guitar and enroll me in some lessons. And that lasted for two, like two weeks. And I was like, I, this sucks. I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> It was brutal. So it wasn't like it wasn't a bad gift, but it was like just not not good. I should my mom and dad should be like, do you really want to try this? Because we're getting you a guitar, and I was like, ah, you know what? Something else would have been better. Maybe not. Maybe not. I I I did the exact same thing. Like literally, got a yeah. guitar for Christmas, got an amp, played it for two days. <laughs> <laughs> so where is that guitar? Where are you guys' guitars now? Like what? I have no idea. Guitars? I where, are they sold now? mine. I sold mine. Oh, okay. 
Yeah, I have no idea where where mine is or what happened to it, but it's gone. Okay. How about you, Ted? What's your worst gift ever? Um, I don't know about worst gift. I want to say I want to be the you know come on on top of this and say like there are no no Fuck bad you, gifts man. because Fuck you it was the, it was shit. a thought you always, shit. You always do this with questions shit. like this. You always just find your way to weasel it out. Like fuck you, man. Come on, shit hockey, chicken shit hockey. I honestly don't know. Like when I was a kid, when we uh got gifts it was like it was stuff that we wanted to do i guess like some of the best gifts were the big lego sets where we got to go you know i got a i got a lego combine one time that thing was freaking that's dope yeah that was it even had like the spinny freaking uh header on it it was really neat um one time for christmas because christmas is actually my mom's birthday too so she was born on christmas share a birthday right same day (laughs) same day so so mom's birthday is the same time so one year when i was like 17 we went to uh i think we want to talk about one of these past few shows but we went to malaysia thailand and japan over christmas like we left on like the 20 something of december and i was so pissed because i was going to miss this bull riding at new year's i was so pumped about and i was like 16 at the time you're so horny to go to these bull rides. Oh, so clump. maybe 16 or 17. Like I was like, you know, underage because you were gonna, you're gonna party on New Year's with all your buddies and get drunk at New Year's and go to this bull ride or whatever. And I was all disappointed I wasn't gonna get to go. But we went to like, yeah, we literally flew to Japan, flew to like Tokyo, stayed there for the night, then flew to Thailand the next day, and I had culture shock. I was, like I was freaking out. Then we we were in there for a few days. I didn't even leave the hotel for a couple of days. The time change was all screwed up. We're up in the middle of the night eating like noodles out of a cup out of the hotel you know covered or whatever just having a terrible time the smell i just remember going in downtown bangkok and we were at this hotel it was like 100 stories high and all i could see out of the hotel up top was just city it just freaked me out so bad it's the first time i'd been across the ocean so we did that and then we were i finally got out of the hotel in a couple after a couple days and the smell i couldn't handle it we went to after that we went to malaysia and i had a i remember having a down dan brown book with me but we we're in this boat going to this place in the jungle and uh, on this boat and i was reading this book and there's like water buffalo in the water and we take this boat for like three hours ted's the only guy in history who'll like go on like a cruise and just read a book and not take in the scenery <laughs> yeah i remember seeing i was just like ted, just reading the book the so, ted, ted's ted's the only person that'll go on a dream vacation yeah and doesn't remember a fucking thing except for the book yeah. oh, i remember i remember the vacation it was unreal and, like the <laughs> monkeys and like the wild boars at this place in the jungle we were at we did this hike the one day and saw everything in the middle of like I remember being in a KL where the like the Patronus Towers are the two same towers and they've got a like a walkway across uh like the 30th floor maybe. I remember I remember Cord McCoy and Jet were there during the amazing race one time. So I remember being in this place and we it was and Malaysia was amazing. It was like uh our guest uh Tarek talks about Dubai and the UAE. I think uh I'd have to ask him. I'm sure he's been to KL and been to Malaysia, but Malaysia was the most like home that I felt on that trip. It was an English first country, you know, coming from Bangkok and Japan, like we didn't feel welcome in Japan. They thought we were Americans. They didn't love it. But anyways, that was probably one of the coolest gifts to go take that trip over Christmas time. It's crazy how much things change over the years. Like as you get older, like now oh, yeah. so much more, I value like experience and time with my family rather than like having to wake up at on Christmas day with a bunch of presents under a tree. Like yeah. Yeah, I'm at a point in life now where it's like, yes. if I want to, if I want something or I'll just go get it. Yeah. 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 So yeah, honestly, I don't, I couldn't, I can't even think of a bad gift right now. The the worst one was probably the gift that you gave at friends with one time, Wacy, where it was like a pair of fucking slippers and some, I didn't give that to you. 
yeah but somehow it was i was gonna get it at one point and then i was like this is dumb it doesn't even fit it's like large size shoes and you know i wear a size kid size so i wasn't I was buying like, for you it was a christmas gift exchange you can't put that on me man <laughs> you, can't buy you. A, you can't buy a sized gift for a chinese gift i was an accident it was an accident <laughs> I accidentally, what is this? Bought, I accidentally bought women's slippers, so they would have fit you of anybody of our friends. <laughs> what is this? A school for ants? I'm the getting it. I'm getting abused on my birthday pod. The best. Fuck the, you the guys. Worst, that really backfired on you. The worst gift was the one you brought to the <laughs> the gift exchange at. Friend. No, because that's not fair. And Gator was the elf on his shelf. Anyways, these are a bunch of fucking dicks. Anyways, <laughs> it's my um, birthday. Well, it was. It's actually Wednesday now, so it's whatever. <laughs> my birthday week, <laughs> your birthday month. It's also Christmas. Uh, wait, what so about you're talking about your best uh, tobogganing? Well, that was actually something Foley brought up. But I, like, if you're any oh. like Canadian kid growing up, you've had some like fucked up things happen with like crazy carpets. Like, man, crazy carpets. You should have to sign a waiver at the store before you buy one of them things. I don't even know if they sell them anymore. Like, I like, I remember one time like we had some pretty good sledding hills growing up, like near the yard with whatever in Saskatchewan and stuff contrary to popular belief there's sales there um but we like I remember one time my brother and I both had crazy carpets and like we went down the same little run like so many times it turned to sheer ice and like man I've never been mucked out so bad on a, at the end of a like we had a little bump too for a jump oh and, like, yeah I'm pretty sure that's where I got my first concussion was from that was like we like you come hogging her down this hill and send it oh. over this icy jump and then you line into more ice like it's nuts and, and I and I'm glad you, you pointed that out. Like can, your Canadian childhood, you know, for the most part is based around a winter sport and getting dressed up to where you can barely bend your mm-hmm. arms <laughs> and, and you walk like a penguin out to a GT or a crazy. I was carpet. just going to ask if you guys had but, GT snow races but, growing up. Those are no, no. Tight. But if, if you were a farm kid and if you never rode down a hill in a calf, calf sled, oh. now peep, People who don't, these are the fastest. Those are the elite sleds. This is the most elite sled you'll ever buy your mm-hmm. kid. And if you don't like your kid, fucking buy one because you won't have a kid by the end of winter. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Now, we, <laughs> and this is where I get to this story is this story was maybe one of the scariest moments in my life and one of the funniest. So North of Lloyd Minster, there's a place called Sandy Beach and there's a big hill there and it's a big ass hill. And now they built a, part of their golf courses on this hill so you can't do it now but I used to always want to go there my dad would we just live three and a half miles west and my dad's like no we can't we can't we can't so one day finally my dad we finished chores feeding cows and as a Canadian farmer dad he wore his car hearts every day had you know four bolts of every size some washers some nuts his pocket knife some nails whatever else in his pockets all the time Hacksaw. so he's like Jay yeah, Axel, he's like, James, let's go. So I'm like, fucking right. This is my time to shine. This is the day. Through, through the GTN, Johnny grabs the, the calf cart, the calf sled, which weighs like, what do they weigh? Like 50 pounds? They're heavy. No, well, the plastic ones aren't that heavy. But we had the heavy They're black solid. They're solid. They're yeah. solid. So he, he bombs it in there. We drive to Sandy Beach. He gets out and uh, he's like, okay, I'll go down first. And then you you come down behind me. And he just fucking yards it into this calf cart <laughs> sitting on his ass. And where you stand, it drops. So he, he hits the fucking downhill and he disappears. You're dropping into the, like a black diamond. You have to like yell yeah. out, dropping in. <laughs> yeah. He, so the next time I see him, 
he is going right and the calf card is going left and shit is flying out of his pockets like he's <laughs> full on air and oh, hits no. the ground and like you know i'm like 10 11 years old and all i hear is just <laughs> the air left all the air left his body and I'm oh, on no. top of the hill and I'm crying. I'm laughing so hard, but deep down, I'm like, Holy shit. My dad's dead. <laughs> like in, in my head, I'm going like, I got to call, like, how am I going to get home to tell my mom that I seen dad die in a calf cart? In a calf, in a calf cart. So, so you got to have so a, I, uh, Yeah. Well, I went, we went down our, there and John's picking shit up. So it was, oh, dear. my, our problems with calf sleds started once we got old enough to like drive like quads and stuff. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So on sleds, so my brother and I would we would tie um, the calf sled to the back of the quad and just go rip around the yard. Like I'm pretty sure I broke my tailbone a couple times ripping because we because like obviously like when you have two brothers who are so close in age, you kind of want to fuck with each other a bit. So like I would like try and like take my brother over this craziest shit I could find, and he would do the same for me. And then like I, we had to start wearing helmets at one point just because it was get, we're getting so crazy and like those things <laughs> they move, dude. Like and then we put them behind a quad, so. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, uh, it's really I, fun. I got one that's not a tobogganing story, but I remember be- playing like road hockey in front of the barn with my dad, and he was the goalie. And, he, and I, have a, all, I, have a, I have a funny story about my dad after this year. Yeah, too. It's so it's probably I bet it's I have a feeling it's similar. But my dad was being the goalie, and I was a goalie too. Like, and so was Waste. Foley, you weren't a goalie; you were a power forward, right? Power forward, yeah, elite. Yeah. He's, elite he was first line forward. bench. But <laughs> anyways, sniper, playing, sniper. I think I still had the like the straight blade. It was that early in my hockey career, and my dad was being the goalie in front of the barn. I had one of those, yeah, one of those orange balls, and I was like just a little kid, and oh. I remember smacking when they, it. when they freeze. Oh, and i have my dad right in the bag just right in the, right in the balls and he had to go sit down in the barn for like an hour after because I, oh, no. I wrecked him right in the nuts the funny story about my dad the, the holy story kind of reminded me of this it was it, it was in the middle of summer so it wasn't a winter but we were moving cows one time and my dad like he he's he was he was just like in his mid 40s at times so he's getting up there in age so he did like to ride the more quiet the more, he likes to ride the more like and like my dad's one of the handiest people i know and like like an unreal horseman but anyways he's riding one of our broke horses moving cows in one day and this horse he was like sometimes he'd be a little cold back and he'd buck a bit and but it was never anything too bad so whatever we're getting to the um to the gates where we're bringing these cows in and all of a sudden i see out of the corner of my eye this horse just starts hogging on it and like my dad got, can't ride up, ride the horses that buck is good anymore. As I said, he's getting older and he's, he rodeoed for a long time. So he's pretty beat up. All of a sudden he, he had, didn't have buck and rolls on his saddle. So he gets start like stood straight legged and just fucking lawn darted by like, the, like this is the horse oh, no. I grew up on all the time. Like he's like oh, st- no. dead quiet. Just gets <laughs> fucking lawn darted off of him. And he's like lost, like lost his air and couldn't breathe. And I am like, dying laughing like, I, I had to i like i couldn't believe it because my dad always just talks about being this tough like cowboy i'm just the handiest motherfucker around and all this kind of stuff anyways boys bugs bugs me and my brother and it was just so funny to see him like get bucked off this like dead broke horse like a kid's horse broke almost and he was on the ground just like <gasps> i started to feel bad for him but oh man it was i, I literally had to ride away and like laugh because he was going to be so pissed and, and then oh, i never dear. let him live that one down to the end of time it's oh, funny dear. Let's catch up on some of the rest of this stuff for uh, for the the New Year's show, the year end wrap up. It's uh, got a big show coming up there for 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 the end of the year. It's uh, Quick mm-hmm. Dick McDick, pretty big big uh, celebrity really in the in the Western world. In in I know a politic, funny fellow, funny fellow, yeah, outstanding. We're looking forward to having him on the show here on the, on eighty one episode eighty one of Cowboy Shit. I'm Ted. 
He's Wacy, our special guest host, James Foley. Thanks for being on the show. Our guest this week, Tarek Alnaga. Great show. Such an insightful, uh, really, really educated. He knows his shit, that guy. And it was, mm-hmm. a, it was a really cool chat. It was a interesting treat. To, yeah, interesting to hear the other side of things on as far as our sport goes. So thank you guys for being on the show. Thanks for the awesome year. Merry Christmas. Happy, uh, happy holidays, everybody. We'll, uh, we'll catch up with you on the next and one. every time they ask me why, I just smile and say, you've got to kiss an angel good morning and let her know you think about her when you're gone. Kiss an angel good morning and love her like the devil when you get back home.